on air for Banfer Racing's NASCAR Weekend Preview with Hot Topic Sound Off. And this week we are previewing the races at Pocono Raceway. So it should be a fun night. Joining me for tonight's show is our co-host, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Pocono weekend, always one of my favorite weekends. I know they made the adjustment to the doubleheader. Uh, I don't know if it's considered a doubleheader, a dayheader. Two-day uh, show there at Pocono, I think, is working for the Cup Series, and I like what they've got set up for their weekend now there in the Pocono Mountains. Yeah, I kind of like this, too. I thought I think it was a brilliant idea and uh, works very, very well for Pocono. So uh, we're going to start out tonight and talk about uh, just a couple updates from the ARCA East and the ARCA West Series uh, and let you know when they're racing next. Uh, then we're going to preview the ARCA Menard Series. They actually race tomorrow night. Uh, they had a practice today or qualifying session today, and uh, we're going to bring that up as well. But their race is tomorrow night. Then at the top of the hour, 9 o'clock Eastern time, we'll talk about the race for the truck series at Pocono. About uh, 9.20, we do the Xfinity Series uh, preview for Pocono. And at 9.40, we preview the NASCAR Cup Series at Pocono. Uh, At the top of the next hour, 10 o'clock, we will start our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with our fans racing crew. So it will be a busy night here tonight on Fanfare Racing and um, on Fanfare Racing Radio, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. So, Jay, uh, let's go ahead and get started here. Um, I will say that the Arkham Menard Series East and West, uh, the West has the next race that will be coming up, and that will be the Napa Auto Parts one at Irwindale Speedway on July 3rd at 7 p.m. Pacific, which is 10 p.m. Eastern Time. So that will be available on TrackPass for NBC Gold members. And uh, if you don't have that, then you can follow all of the action over at ArcaRacing.com. So highly recommend everybody uh, uh, check out that race. Uh, the next up, Next week, the Arkham Menard Series is racing this week at Pocono, but next week, uh, or a couple weeks, they'll be racing July 10th, the Menards 250 at Elko Speedway, and uh, that is uh, also a Sioux Chief Showdown race. So uh, two separate championship races there, all within one race at uh, Elko Speedway. That will be on MAV TV. So fans will be able to follow along there as well as ArcaRacing.com. And then the Shore Lunch 150 for the Arca East will take place July 24th, 8 p.m. Central. That's 9 p.m. Eastern at Iowa Speedway. And that race also will be available on MAV TV as well as ArcaRacing.com. So a lot of opportunity for fans to uh, watch some ARCA racing in these next few weeks. Yeah, we mentioned this on Monday, July. Definitely a busy month for the ARCA Menard Series across the board. Uh, I know Sal's been real busy with work. Hopefully he gets to get out to Irwindale Speedway there on July the 3rd for the West Series. I know that's always one of his favorite to cover and, and shoot some photos. Uh, hopefully we get to see some photo uh, shots from him out there if he's able to attend. 
Yeah, I'm not sure if that's going to happen. They, he's been so busy out uh, with work, uh, that, and he's been out of town for that. So uh, he's not real close to Irwindale Speedway for him to hop on over to the, the track for the weekend. But we'll see. You know, maybe he'll make the trip and, and go to Irwindale, the Speedway. Uh, but, yeah, fans should follow South Dallas Jr. on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, to see some of the photos that he does at the track. Um, now, the series point standings uh, for both of these, for the ARCA East and the ARCA West, let's start with the East. Uh, let's see, I pulled up the wrong one. Do you have the point standings up, Sal, or Jay? Uh, up for the East, yeah. We'll start there. Uh, they got five races in. Sammy Smith, uh, showing a little bit of dominance, if you will. He's got three victories and five top fives in those five races, along with one pole. So he is your points leader by 29 points over Mason Diaz, who still doesn't have a win, but three top fives and four top tens. Puts him 29 points back. Joey East, uh, another one, almost the same stat line, four top fives, five top tens, is back 33 points. Max Gutierrez, another one with a win, has slid back to the fourth spot, though, with only two top fives and five top tens, is 36 back. And Daniel Dye now in the top five with five top tens in his races uh, and sits 42 points back. There's two more drivers. Uh, I know that was the top five. But six and seventh are 45 and 46 points back. And those are the five that have, or seven that have made all five races so far. Parker Retzlap and six and Raja Karuth in seventh. Uh, so that's going to be your championship contenders there from first to seventh back of 46 points. Okay, and I've got the West points up here. Uh, the second race of the season really shook things up a little bit. They raced at Phoenix uh, and then raced uh, a week or so ago. And now Katsuza is at the top of the point standings by one point over Paul Pedrincelli, Jr. So uh, there are actually 12 drivers that have raced both races so far. So this is likely to get uh, shook up again. Cole Moore is in third place. He's three points back. Then it's Dean Thompson in fourth place, just eight points back. And Trevor Huddleston rounding out that top ten. He's nine points back in the series point standings. Uh, the next five drivers include Jake Drew, Jesse Love, last year's champion, Bridget Burgess, Bobby Hillis Jr., and Takuma Koga from Japan uh, rounds out the top ten. And Bridget Burgess, by the way, is from Great Britain. So this is an international uh, affair here with the uh, Arca Menard Series West. And 21 points separate uh, the top 10 drivers. So this is a lot tighter. Bobby Hillis Jr. and Jakuma Koga are actually tied with Tony Toast uh, in, t- in the 11th place, just one, one point behind uh, Jakuma Koga and Bobby Hillis Jr. So this is a pretty tight race so far. It is, and you can go down one more. Joey East, uh, you mentioned those 12 that have run both races Mm -hmm. is 23 points. Or I'm sorry, 26 points. No, you're right, 23. I'm sorry, 23. 23. Uh, Ty Gibbs only running one race and having that win, 26 back. So you're right, the West is extremely tight. 
And I think we are going to see a little bit of shuffling yet in the next couple of races here in the West. Uh, your championship uh, contenders uh, maybe didn't have the best start. And along with that Arkham Menard series, main series pairing, kind of shuffled that up. So it's definitely going to be interesting. Without a doubt. Uh, it is just claimed to be interesting. Uh, again, they'll be racing at Irwindale Speedway uh, on July 3rd. So uh, definitely mark that one on your calendar, as well as the RK East at Iowa. And uh, besides Pocono this weekend for the Arkham and Art Series, uh, you'll want to make sure that you check out um, uh, the Arkham and Arts at Elko as well. And keep in mind, the Arkham and Arts is racing with the East, uh, for the remainder of their events this year. So it'll be a combination event at Iowa Speedway that includes both the Arkham and Art Series and the Arca East. So that's going to be pretty cool, too. It certainly is, and it's really going to be a shakeup within the uh, Sioux Chief Showdown races as well. Yes, <laughs> without a doubt. Okay, so let's go ahead and move on to the Arkham and Art Series. They are racing this weekend at Pocono tomorrow night, uh, the Anywhere is Possible 200, uh, and Friday, June 25th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, it will be televised and live streamed via Fox Sports 1 and the Fox Sports app. If you want to listen on the radio, you want to go to MRN or Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Actually, it's XM Channel 391 or online channel 981. Uh, this is a 2.5-mile paved trioval. Uh, they'll be racing 80 laps over a distance of 200 miles. And... Uh, on Friday, the garage opens at 9 a.m. with practice, and the race again starts at 6 p.m. Eastern time. So uh, this is going to be a fun one because they've got a few more races under their belt, and there's a little more dominance in this race. Uh, but Sammy Smith, uh, is, it, is this the one with Sammy Smith? I can't remember now. Oh, no, this is uh, between Ty Gibbs and Corey Heim. Yeah, Ty Gibbs and Corey Heim have been pretty much dominating this series. So we'll see what they do this week at uh, Pocono. Well, and you're talking about a one-point difference as far as the points. Uh, but Ty Gibbs is, is it looking to extend his win streak, uh, but it gets tricky there at Pocono as the tricky triangle. Now, though Gibbs remains one point behind leader Corey Heim in the championship points, the Joe Gibbs Racing driver has left no doubt through seven races. He is the driver to beat in the Arkham Nard Series this season. The 18-year-old has won five of those seven races, led a total of 525 of the 735 laps he has run uh, in 2021. Now, not including his flag-to-flag -flag triumph in the East Series at Dover International Speedway last month, Gibbs is on a four-race uh, win streak in the Arkham Menard series. And if he wins again Friday in the general tire, anywhere is possible, 200 at Pocono Raceway, which again is known as the tricky triangle, he will become the first driver to win five consecutive events in the series in more than 20 years. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And he's off to a really good start because based on his speed uh, during the five-hour open practice session, 
this this uh, day today uh, Gibbs best lap was 52.967 seconds, and his number 18 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota easily cleared that of second place driver Corey Hine, whose best time came in at 53.690 seconds. So uh, he's uh, off to a good start. Uh, as far as the results from practice, Ty Gibbs is at the top of that list, and it's Corey Heim, as I mentioned, followed by Chandler Smith, Nick Sanchez, and Sam Mayer runs out the top five there, followed by Drew Dollar, Bad Moffitt, Greg Ben Alts, Jack Wood, and Kyle Seed running out the top ten. So uh, this practice session was really important for these guys at Pocono, and uh, it's going to be fun to see uh, how they do uh, for the rest of this uh, event. Okay, I'm sorry. Did you jump over under the pit box, or were you on the other uh, page? I, I, went, I went over to the open practice session. Okay. Um, I'll continue under then from the uh, – Sorry, under the uh, notebook side of it, talking about uh, Ty Gibbs, the only other, the last driver to win those five straight Arkham Menard series in the races was Tim Steele back in 1997. Uh, I can't can't believe that name's come up. It's been a while. Uh, the good news for Gibbs, though, no, or, sorry, no driver has won six consecutive Arkham Menard series races. The good news for Gibbs as it relates to his chances to win Friday, beyond the speed he delayed thus far in 2021 is the fact that he led 65 of 80 laps last year at Pocono and won his first Arkham Menard Series start at the 2.5-mile trioval. Uh, the bad news for Gibbs, though, recent history is not particularly on his side. Okay. Now, Pocono Roastway has not produced a repaint winner in the Arkham Menard Series, though, since Casey Mears won both events at the track in 2003. The last 27 Arkham Menard Series winners at Pocono, a list that includes current Cup Series regulars like Joey Logano, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Michael McDowell, Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, and Cole Custer, had not previously reached victory lane at the Tricky Triangle when their wins arrived. Uh, so he's hungry to keep his streak alive. Ty Gibbs is hungry to keep that streak alive at Pocono this weekend. But there's one driver now, one, that's going to be a threat to him. You're right. A uh, particular driver he hasn't faced in 2021, and that's Sam Mayer's return. Now, not many Arkham Menard Series drivers have successfully kept Gibbs in their rearview mirrors in individual event, events, let alone for entire seasons. But now Sam Mayer has proven himself capable of both. The two-time reigning Arkham Menard Series East champion, and last year's Sioux Chief Showdown winner won five of the six races at the East, that the East Series contested in 2020. Gibbs was the only driver who won a race in that stretch. Mayor announced in the offseason that he uh, teamed with the 2020 Arkham Menard Series champion Brett Holmes in a deal that would ab- allow both drivers to split time in the latter's number 23 Chevrolet throughout the 2021 season. And that's coming up now. Yes, it is. Uh, he originally planned to make his ARCA debut uh, with Brett Holmes Racing at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course earlier this month, but it was pushed to Pocono. Holmes was te- also tentatively plans to run 
the Arkham Menard Series race at Watkins Glen on August the 6th, Michigan International Speedway on August the 20th, and the Milwaukee Mile on August the 28th, as well as Bristol Motor Speedway on September 16th, and Kansas Speedway on October 23rd. That is the series finale. Uh, he's already started uh, three races this season in the number 23 Chevy, picking up one, picking up top five finishes in both Daytona and Talladega before crashing on the first lap at Kansas. Uh, the team's speed is evident, as is the talent that allowed Mayer to dominate each of the last two East Series seasons. So that combination produces an entry that's expected to be a tough competitor Friday at Pocono. And Sam Mayer is going to come into play in this next portion as well as we got double duty at Pocono. Now, the Pocono parties for Gibbs and Mayers are only getting started with Friday's General Tire Anywhere is Possible 200 as they're both also entered in Sunday's Pocono Green 225 recycled by J.P. Mascaro and Sons which is the NASCAR Xfinity Series race that will be at noon Eastern on NBCSN. And they are two of five drivers in Friday's Arkham Menard Series field who will pull that double duty at Pocono. Uh, Gibbs will be running Sunday's Xfinity Series race in the number 54 Toyota, a car in which he already has two wins and six top five finishes and just seven starts. And then Mayer is wasting no time in making his Xfinity Series debut as Sunday race, Sunday's race arrives the day after his 18th birthday, making him eligible to compete at Pocono. He's an alumnus of Junior Motorsports' late model program. Mayer will become the second driver from the team's pipeline to return to the organization for Xfinity uh, competition as he joins the 2017 Series champion and current NASCAR Cup Series Hendrick Motorsports driver William Byron. Sharon, you want to cover the other three? I'm sorry. I was on mute. I forgot to unmute it. <laughs> three drivers in Friday's Arkham Menard Series race at Pocono are also entered in Saturday's CRC Breck Lane 150 that starts at noon on Fox Sports 1 for the Camping World Truck Series. That includes Chandler Smith, and he'll be running the number 18 Toyota for Kyle Busch Motorsports in the truck race after piloting the 25 Safe Light Toyota for Venturini Motorsports in the ARCA race. Chris Wright is going to race the number two Chevrolet for Young's Motorsports on Saturday after competing in the number 30 Master Tech Ford for Rhett Jones Racing on Friday. And then Jack Wood, representing GMS Racing in both Friday's ARCA race and Saturday's truck race. So uh, the NASCAR Cup Series will compete a doubleheader Saturday and Sunday. Uh, race one is a 130-lap event starting at 3 p.m. Eastern, and the series will follow with a 140-lap race the following day starting at 3.30 p.m. Both are going to be broadcast on NBC Sports Network. Series race is the second leg of Saturday's double header with the truck series, and the second cup series race is the second leg of the Sunday double header with the Xfinity series. 
Arkham Menards gets the full spotlight on Friday as the only race scheduled at Pocono. Now, there's some other people behind the wheel this weekend at uh, at uh, Pocono that we should mention as well. Yeah, we don't see this very often, but it's going to be the CEO behind the wheel. Nick Igdalski is the CEO of Pocono Raceway and the director of the Mattioli Foundation, both of which were co-founded by his grandparents. And for the 33rd time in his professional career, the 43-year-old will also be known as Arkham Menard Series driver when Friday's race arrives. Igdalski will partner with the Fast Track Racing to drive the number 12 Toyota team from owner Andy Hillenberg at Pocono and feature the Pocono Mountain Regional Police Foundation on the hood in an effort to raise awareness and funds for the PMRPF as well as other surrounding police departments. On backing his cause this weekend will be Sunset Hill Shooting Range, Barley Creek Brewing Company, and the Pocono Outdoor Adventure Tours, all which have donated to the PMRPF. So a great cause here, and Igdalski has made nine of his 32 Arkham and Art Series starts at his home track. His best Pocono result was a sixth-place finish back in 2014. And we got more, Sharon. I'm here. Okay, we talked about this next one on Monday, but we're going to go a little bit more in depth here. Uh, continuing what he calls the Virtual Camper Appreciation Tour, Ed Pompa will again feature the names of virtual campers from the Double H Ranch on his car at Pocono. The ranch's mission is to provide specialized programs and year-round support for children and their families dealing with life-threatening illnesses. Uh, so Double uh, H Ranch, for the first time since they opened in 1993, couldn't have any children attend the camp due to the COVID-19 restrictions. So all the children who were scheduled to attend had to resort to a virtual camp instead. When the 2021 race season rolled around, uh, they decided to do something for the campers who didn't get to experience uh, the, the Double H in 2020. So Trimax Graphics designed an awesome wrap for Talladega and we decided all 467 names of these virtual campers from the 2020 to the Double H Ranch logo on the hood of the car. So they'll also be with them at Pocono on Ed Pompa's car. So that's pretty cool uh, that they're doing that for all of those kids. And definitely a unique thing that's being done by driver Ed Pompano this year for sure. Now, Friday's mar uh, race will mark the 69th time in the Arkham Nard series that they visited Pocono. It is the 68th race on the 2.5-mile triangular speedway. The series' first visit in 1969 was on the now-defunct three-quarter-mile oval, which was won by Bobby Watson. Only two tracks okay. have hosted more Arkham Menard series uh, races than Pocono, and that's Salem Speedway that leads with 105 races, and the series home track at Toledo Speedway, which is second with 81. Okay. Also, there's 16 drivers scored their first Arkham Menard Series wins at Pocono. Uh, that includes Kerry Earnhardt, Ryan Newman, Casey Atwood, 
Scott Riggs, some names we haven't heard in a while, Jay. Uh, Travis Quapel, Chase Miller, Craig Ghost, um, Rob Brent, Tim George Jr., Chad Hackenbrack, I remember Chad, Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, Justin Allison, Trevor Bain, Cole Custer, and Riley Herbst. So uh, that's pretty cool, too. Jet Nolan and Stephanie Moyer are also making their Arcus Menard Series debuts in the General Tire Anywhere as Possible 200 this Friday. I do love it when we get to talk about in some of these previews uh, the history of, of some of the drivers. You're right that we don't hear those names anymore or we haven't heard in a while. But knowing their history and where, where they, they came from, uh, to see that from the Arkham Menard Series is so cool. It, it really is. And, uh, uh, you know, some of them have gone on to other things, but quite a few of these drivers are still racing in one way or another as well. So uh, that's pretty cool to see. Okay. Uh, one thing I noticed is that on the entry list, Jay, uh, there are 25 drivers entered for the race this weekend. Shall we uh, real quick uh, mention all of these drivers? We'll start from the bottom up, two by two. All right. And the 06 uh, Wayne Peterson machine, that'll be Don Thompson driving the uh, Ford. And in the number 01, you mentioned Stephanie Moyer. In the, uh, Michelle Hilleberg is listed as the owner of that Toyota. Okay. Then we have Jason Kitzmiller. Uh, he is driving the uh, uh, Cody Robars. Uh, Chevrolet with Todd Myers on top of the pit box. And on top of the pit box uh, for the number 73 of Andy is uh, Mike Dayton uh, driving the Ford for his own team. I'm sorry, I didn't mention there. The uh, crew chief for Don Thompson will be George Gimbert. And for Stephanie Moyer, it'll be Mike Schrauf. Uh, as we move up the list there, there's an article up on the Arkham Menards homepage there. Andy Jim. Jankowick, uh, be driving the Andy Jankowick Ford with Mike Dayton as his crew chief. And then a Bill yeah, Campbell-owned and crew chief, uh, number 69, that'll be Scott Melton. Go ahead and do Brian because I had already done Andy. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, Brian Zott, uh driving for his own team. Bobby Rahilly, uh driving that Chevrolet, which is numbered 57. Yeah, Brian Duzet's going to drive. Uh, Bob Rahilly is the crew chief. Okay, also in the number 50 is Jet Nolan uh, he, for Hype Motorsports uh, Chevrolet. Uh, team motor Kony Ifala and Matthew Noyce is going to be his crew chief. Terry Strange will be the crew chief for Brad Smith in his Chevrolet for his own team. And he, of course, he drives the number 48. Jarek Smith will be crew chief in the number 46. He'll be driven by Thad Moffitt. That's a Johnny Gray-owned Ford. And James Huff is the owner of the number 36 Ford, driven by Ryan Huff and crew chief by Richard Burgess. Okay, Greg Van Oltz, uh driving the number 35, will drive uh, the Chevrolet for his own new, uh, team. And uh, Jim Long is his crew chief. Uh, for Mark Rett Racing, Mark Rett 
is going to be the crew chief for the number 34 driven by Chris Wright. Getting to see him in another start. We see Kyle Sieg in the number 28 RSSS racing, uh, owner Rod Sieg. Crew chief will be Tony Wilson. And then we got regular Tim Richmond in a Chevrolet number 27, owners Dave Richmond. Crew chief will be Alex Club. Okay, Kevin Reed is on top of the pit box for the Venturini number 25, driven by Chandler Smith. And then the number 23 for Brett Holmes Racing is Sam Meyer, Mayer, uh, and uh, Shane Huffman is going to be his crew chief. We talked a little bit about him at Jack Wood. He'll be in the GMS Racing uh, Chevrolet. Mary Gallagher is the owner. Chad Bryant, crew chief for him. And then championship contender Corey Heim in the Bill Venturini-owned number 20 Toyota with Shannon Roche as his crew chief. And the number 18 is Ty Gibbs for Joe Gibbs Racing with uh, Mark McFarlane on top of the pit. Billy Venturini on top of the pit box for the number 15 driven by Drew Dollar. We highlighted the Michelle Hillenberg Toyota there of Nick Erdalski in the number 12. Dick Dohaney as the crew chief. And another uh, rookie, both here in the Xfinity Series, Jay Buford in the number 11 Chevrolet for Andy Hillenberg. Jeff McClure, the one calling the shots there. Okay, and David Itt uh, is the crew chief for the number 10, driven by Ed Pompa for Andy Hillenberg. And Dick Hartnagel is uh, the crew chief for the uh, John Core Chevrolet, driven by Sean Core's. Uh, the number eight. And the final one we got here is the Max Siegel-owned Steve Plattenberg crew chief, driven number driver number two, Nick Sanchez in that Chevrolet for Rev Racing. All right. We'll now go ahead and move on to the Camping World Truck Series that races the CRC Breitling 105 and at Pocono Raceway on Saturday, June the 26th at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. That will be televised uh, with pre-race coverage on Fox Sports 1 at 11 a.m. and radio coverage on MRN and Cirrus XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be driving a distance of 150 miles over 60 laps. The first two stages are 15 laps apiece, so stage one ends on lap 15, stage two on lap 30, and then 30 laps for the final stage, ending at lap 60. Well, listen closely. This is correct. Priest is looking to go two for two. Last weekend's Nashville Super Speedway, NASCAR Camping World Truck Series winner Ryan Priest, who was driving for Team DGR, grabbed the win in his very first start in the series. Now, the Berlin, Connecticut native will be back in the number 17 Ford this weekend at Pocono Raceway, looking to become the, just the second driver to take back-to-back uh, trips to Victory Lane in their first two series starts. And that would join Casey Kane, who did it in 2004 at Darlington and Homestead. And it will be Priest's track series track debut at Pocono this weekend. As it was last weekend, so uh, it was pretty amazing what he did. 
I hope he I hope he is able to go two for two. Uh, but Todd Gilliland's going to start out front thanks to a solid run at Nashville last weekend. Front row motorsports Todd Gilliland has hit his stride this season coming off his seventh top ten finish in the last eight races, including a win at Circuit of the Americas and a runner-up finish last weekend at Nashville Super Speedway. Now, as they head into this weekend at Pocono Raceway, thanks to the metric qualifying, the 21-year-old is starting on the pole for the CRC Brake Lean 150 on Saturday, June the 26th, starting at 12 noon. Uh, Gilliland is from Sheryl's Ford, North Carolina, and he's already locked into the playoffs with his win this season. But over the next three races, uh, he hopes to close out the regular season uh, with some great opportunities to rack up some playoff points. Right now, he has seven of those playoff points. In a raceway, Gilliland has made three starts at the 2.5-mile track, He's posted one top five, three top tens, and his average finish in the series at Pocono is a solid 6.0. That is second best among active drivers this weekend. Well, good luck to him and whoever picked him as a fantasy driver. Now, Kyle (laughs) Busch Motorsports stacks the lineup for Pocono. After already claiming seven of the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series 12 races this season, Kyle Busch Motorsports has brought back their namesake owner-driver, Kyle Busch, to compete alongside the series driver's standings leader, John Hunter Nemechek, and rookie Chandler Smith. Kyle Busch Motorsports leads the series in wins at Pocono Raceway with five victories. Kyle Busch with two of them in 2015 and 18, William Byron in 2016, Christopher Bell in 2017, and Brandon Jones in 2020. And Bush himself leads the series and wins at the 2.5-mile track with two victories and the only driver to win at Pocono in all three NASCAR National Series. Bush's teammate, current driver, standing leader, John Henner Nemechek, has yet to win at Pocono, but has made three starts, posting one top five and two top ten. He also has a fifth-best average finish of 8.7 among the active drivers at Pocono. And Nemechek and Bush will be joined by Sunoco Rookie of the Year candidate Chandler Smith. He'll be making his series track debut this weekend at Pocono, and every one of those is a solid pick as well. No kidding. I mean, there's some really good... uh... Uh, solid picks out there uh, for everybody. Jay, I'm having a little problem with my computer right now, so if you want to take the next one, that's fine. All right. Well, we'll look at the playoff bubble. And in the truck series here, we just got three more races until the playoffs with six spots still up for grabs. That means we're guaranteed three going to get in on points. Now, with only those three races left until the playoffs, the time is of the essence for those drivers trying to race their way into the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series postseason. Currently, four drivers have won and locked themselves into the playoffs. John Hunter Nemechek, Ben Rhodes, and Todd Gillen, and the 2020 Series champion, Sheldon Creed. Now, that leaves those six spots still up for grabs heading into this weekend at Pocono Raceway. Now, four drivers without wins this, this season have decently sized points cushions between themselves and the playoff cut line. 
Uh, fifth place would be Austin Hill at plus 145. Zane Smith, Zane Smith is up 108. Matt Crafton is 73 to the good. Stuart Friesen's got a plus 53. Now, rookies uh, Carson Horselor at plus 30 in ninth, and Chandler Smith at plus 15 in 10th will have their work cut out for them to maintain their small point advantage over that playoff cut line. Both rookies will be making their series track debut this weekend at Pocono. A driver's looking for their first career truck win should be optimistic heading into this weekend as three of the ten different Pocono winners scored their first NASCAR Camping World Truck Series career victory at Pocono Raceway, and that includes last season's winner Brandon Jones uh, in 2020. Joey Coulter did it in 2012, and going way back, we got Elliott Sadler in 2010. Of the drivers entered this weekend, Tyler Ankrum has the best average finish at Pocono with 5.5 average finish in three starts. It's followed by Todd Gillen, we talked about, at 6.0. Kyle Busch is at a 7.3. Ben Rhodes is at 7.6. And then John Hunter Nemechek at 8.7. Anybody who has watched a race at Pocono Raceway or has driven a race at Pocono Raceway knows that that track poses a very unique challenge. When it comes to racing uh, in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, no track is more unique than this 2.5-mile paved three-turn Pocono Raceway aptly named the Tricky Triangle. This weekend, the series heads to Pennsylvania uh, for their next race on Saturday at 12 p.m., and Pocono Raceway has hosted 11 Truck Series races. The first Camping Road Truck Series race at Pocono was on July 31st of 2010, and the event was won from the pole by Elliott Sadler in a Kevin Harvick, Inc. Chevrolet. Uh, That's going back some. Uh, The 11 truck series races at Pocono Raceway have produced eight different pole winners and 11 different race winners. With three of the truck series races having their qualifying sessions canceled, the series lead Uh, The series lead in polls is shared among eight different drivers with a poll. So Elliot Sadler in 2010, Kevin Harvick in 2011, Nelson P.K. Jr. in 2012, Kyle Larson in 2014, Eric Jones in 15, Ben Rhodes in 17, Kyle Busch in 18, Austin Hill in 19, the 2013 and 2016 season races had qualifying canceled because of weather. And, of course, last season the starting lineup was determined by a random draw because of the restrictions brought on by the pandemic. Kyle Bush leads the series and wins at Pocono Raceway with two victories in 2015 and 18. Bush is also the only driver entered this weekend at Pocono Raceway in the NASCAR the only driver entered this weekend at Pocono Raceway in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series race. Um, I don't think that statement is quite true. (laughs) Maybe the only driver with wins that are entered this weekend in the race. So this weekend's starting lineup is determined by the metric qualifying, and as a result, 
Front Row Motorsports' Todd Gilliland will start from the pole, and JMS Racing's Zane Smith will join him on the front row. So that's pretty cool. Definitely going to be interesting to talk about that stack lineup as well as the other teams, especially those drivers battling for the playoff points as well as wins. Uh, a win obviously still now guarantees them in, but you got three that are going to get in on points. So points are, got, are going to be an issue here coming down to the end of the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series regular season. Yeah, without a doubt, uh, points are definitely going to be an issue. Uh, Segate, since we have a few minutes here, I thought maybe we could spend some time uh, updating the uh, points for the Stamp Racing Fantasy Group for those who missed it on Monday night. Well, we definitely got some uh, tight points battles here. And we'll start with the truck series since that's where we're recovering. Uh, give me one second, because I got those saved under my gallery. There we go. Okay. All right. That's for the truck issue. series, yeah, for the truck series, it is now a two-point advantage, uh, and it's between Andy and I. Andy at 51 I'm at 49. Sharon, you have slid back to third at 47. Mike is right behind you at 43. Owen at 40. Tommy at 38. Uh, Sam at 34. And James at 30. So we got a 21-point gap there from top to bottom. We slide over to the Xfinity Series. Here again, we're talking about uh, two points. Mike took over this one at 60 points. Andy's right behind him at 58. And then Sam at 57, I'm at 54, James is at 51. That's only nine points back. Owen's at 46, and Sharon and Tommy are tied at 45. So their top to bottom, to include that tie at the bottom, is only a 15-point difference. <laughs> and on the cup side, my monstrous six-point lead is gone. Mike now leads this by two points. 93 to 91 over myself. Sam's at 85. Sharon's at 80. Owen at 75. James at 72. Tommy at 61. And Chase Briscoe, I mean Andy, uh, at 38. Uh, <laughs> take Andy out of the equation. I know he's, he's determined to do it, so more power to him. Uh, taking him out of that, though, there, it's a 32-point lead on the Cup Series. More races and a lot more... Uh, competition, uh, but that one's a, a bigger gap there from top to bottom. And then when we look at the overall points, all the series, all the races for 2021, we're talking about three points. Mike has 196. I'm at 193. Uh, Sam's at 176. Sharon's at 172. There it's a four-point gap. Owen's at 161. James at 153. Andy at 147, and Tommy at 144. And there we're talking about 52 points. Uh, again, Tommy got a little bit of a late start, but has certainly been competitive. And three races left, and the truck series starts their uh, playoff run, which means we also then go to the double points for the truck series. So truck picks are going to become uh, extremely important here in the next few weeks. <laughs> yes, indeed. And did we do the overall? Yep. That was the overall. Okay. So, yep, that was 193 wow. to one, or 196 to 193. Three points Mike has me. Wow. 
Uh, yeah, it's amazing how close uh, all of these races are. Uh, and, I, you know, as bad as I'm doing in the Xfinity series, I feel like I've been making really good picks. It's just that I pick the people I pick don't have a good week <laughs> when I pick them. So uh, that could be bad news for anybody I picked this week. Well, I, I'm not sure if we want to talk about that because I really had to put some thought into this week. And everybody was like, oh, Jay gets first pick, taking Kyle Larson for both races at Pocono. I looked back through it. The last time that somebody picked Kyle Larson and he wasn't the winner before he went on his streak, that would have been me. So uh, I did gamble. <laughs> I went with Kyle Larson for both races, but uh, I might be in that boat saying this next week too of I picked the wrong guy at the wrong time. Well, and it, it could just as easily go the other way, Jay. Uh, he's been phenomenal. So uh, it's going to be fun to watch these races. We've got uh, double chances for points here in the Cup Series. So uh, four races instead of three races this weekend are going to uh, kind of shake some things up, I think. Uh, you're right. I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about it like that. You're right. That's going to be, be a total of uh, 32 points that could be available throughout the, just one weekend. So uh, talk about those points gaps. I think this week, out of the three series and the overall, three of the four actually did change in points for us, the points leader. Wow. Okay, so we're a little bit ahead of our schedule, but let's go ahead and get into the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Uh, the Pocono Green 225 recycled by J.P. Mascaro, Mascaro and Sons. Uh, again, at Pocono Raceway this Sunday, June the 27th. Again, the start time is 12 p.m. Eastern Time on NBC Sports Network. And uh, radio coverage will be on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 225 miles over 90 laps. The first two two, uh, stages are 20 laps apiece, uh, ending on lap 20 for stage one, lap 40 on stage two. And then the last stage is actually 50 laps, ending on lap 90. So uh, there you have it for the Xfinity Series. Well, and we got another return when it comes to the Xfinity Series as Gase will be back in the uh, Xfinity Series this weekend. And driver Joey Gase in the number 52 Chevrolet for, (coughs) excuse me, uh, Jimmy Means Racing at Pocono Raceway this Sunday. Gase is returning to the team for the first time since 2017 and has sponsorship from The Gift of Life. Back in 2012, Gase was the primary driver of the number 52. Currently, the 52 is 39th in points. Greg Galding, who is the primary driver of the number 52, drove the team to a best finish of 17th at Mid-Ohio. Galding will be back in the number 52 following Pocono. Okay, also look for Austin Dillon running the Xfinity race this weekend for our motorsport. Uh, they announced that Austin Dillon is added to the driver lineup for the number 23 Chevrolet in the Xfinity Series, and he will be behind the wheel also at Watkins Glen International on August the 7th and at the Indianapolis Road Course on August the 14th. Dillon, the 2013 Xfinity Series champ, has 146 Xfinity Series starts with nine wins, 65 top fives, and 105 top tens, along with 17 pole awards. 
Now, Kevin Harvick, uh, it's announced they'll be running the Xfinity Series race at Indy. He'll run on August 14th as a NASCAR Xfinity Series race at the Indianapolis Road Course with Unibet as the primary sponsor. Unibet will debut with Harvick this weekend at Pocono Raceway in the Xfinity Series and be on board for two cup races and then the Xfinity Series race at Indy. Unibet has partnered with Harvick to grow its presence in the United States and specifically within motorsports. Harvick has 347 starts in the Xfinity Series with 47 wins, 186 top fives, 260 top tens, and 25 poles. Amazing. Okay, Loris Hesemans is back at Xfinity Apoco as well. NASCAR Whaling Yuri Series points leader Loris Hesemans will compete in the Xfinity Series race on Sunday at Pocono Raceway. He'll be in the number 90 for David Gilliland Motorsports Chevrolet, and he'll be He'll also have support from Rayon Brothers Racing. Hesemans completed competing at Phoenix Raceway earlier this season. He finished 31st after starting 40th. This weekend uh, will represent another step toward obtaining a license to compete on all of NASCAR's ovals. After Pocono, Hesemans will return to Europe to continue competing for the Wayland Euro Series title. All right, now we're going to get back or get into the nitty-gritty of it and talking about points. Uh, Barry is back on the top of the rookie standings. However, Gibbs is the one competing this weekend. After making his 13th start of the season last weekend at Nashville Super Speedway, junior motorsports driver Josh Barry held on to the lead in the NASCAR Xfinity Series rookie driver standings from Joe Gibbs' rising star, Ty Gibbs. Barry is 19 points ahead of Gibbs after Nashville, where Gibbs didn't participate. Barry is entered to run this weekend's race at Pocono Race, whoa, Pocono uh, Raceway, but he'll be racing for Jordan Anderson Racing now. And Gibbs is back behind the wheel of the number 54 JGR Toyota this weekend. Both rookies will be making their track Pocono Raceway debuts. So Barry sits at the top at 317 points, uh, five rookie uh, awards, which means he was a top finishing rookie. Both with four of those awards, Ty Gibbs is at 272 points and Ryan Vargas at 161. Another driver that has picked the award up once is Jade Buford at 69 points. And we've been saying this all year, Sam Mayer will get his first start in the junior motorsports team so this will be his first chance to make up some of those points. Yes. Uh, it will be interesting to see what he does in this opportunity. I'm sure it will all be good. Okay, let's take a look at the manufacturer-owner update. Team Penske is still leading the way in the Xfinity Series owner point standing following the 15th race of the season at Nashville Super Speedway. Team Penske has 628 points and is 82 points ahead of Joe Gibbs Racing in second. Pollock Racing is third at 90 points behind the leader. Chevrolet is leading the manufacturer's championship standing for seven wins and 550. Toyota has five wins and 535 points, followed by Ford, who is sitting in third with three wins 
and 502 points. Chevrolet's wins came at Homestead and Miami Speedway, Las Vegas Motor Speedway, Atlanta Motor Speedway, Martinsville Speedway, Talladega Super Speedway, Darlington Raceway, and Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course. Toyota's five wins uh, came from Ty Gibbs and Kyle Busch. Uh, They were at the Daytona Road Course, the Circuit of the Americas, Charlotte Motor Speedway, Texas Motor Speedway, and Nashville Super Speedway. Four of those victories have all come in the last five races. Four wins were in the season opener at Daytona, Phoenix Raceway, and Dover International Speedway. So uh, that's a pretty thorough update for the manufacturer and owner point standing. Well, the other place we got to talk about points is the driver points and the playoff bubble. Uh, who's in and who's out of the playoffs right now? With five drivers locked in on wins so far this season, there are still seven spots in the field for a driver to make it into the playoffs by virtue of a win or points or on points. The Xfinity Series, there's 11 races left in the regular season. So I say that's still plenty of time for uh, drivers to secure their spot. Now, the five Xfinity drivers locked into the postseason on wins are Austin Sindrick, Justin Algar, J.J. A.J. Allmendinger, Jeb Burton, and Myatt Schneider. And Daniel Hemrick holds the sixth spot in the standings, is the highest-ranked driver without a win so far in 2021. And he is 193 points above the cut line currently, extending that lead last weekend at Nashville Super Speedway. His Joe Gibbs Racing teammate, Harrison Burton, is behind him in seventh, 166 points from the cut line. And both of these drivers have the good cushion right now, but a a win would be preferred to make sure they're locked in through the postseason. McCulloch Racing's Justin Haley is currently sitting eighth in the driver's standings playoff outlook, He's 120 points above the cut line. And the only colleague racing driver not in the playoffs uh, yet on wins yet. A colleague racing announced this week they have purchased a charter, two, I believe, uh, in the NASCAR Cup Series, and plan on moving Justin Haley up full-time next season. Now, once we get to ninth in the standings, uh, the points tighten up. Brandon Jones is in ninth at plus 89. Noah Gregson is up 56, and Michael Annette is in 11th at plus 53. That puts Jeremy Clements holding that final playoff transfer spot just 48 points up on Brandon Brown, who's in 13th, which is the first spot outside the cutoff. And I want to scroll down here and look at a couple of things. Okay, yeah, Michael Annette is in. Okay. Um. Scroll, scrolling down, talking about the drivers that are that are uh, pointing their way in behind uh, Justin Haley, ninth, Brandon Jones, Noah Gregson, Mike Lynette, Jeremy Clement. Mentioned then Brandon Brown, uh, the first one out, needs to make up just shy of 50 points, that 48-point gap. You also have Riley Herbst at 333, and then Ryan Sieg at 291. No 11 races a lot. Ryan Sieg, it's possible to point his way in over four more drivers, but that would be really tough. I think right in there is where you're having to look at a win. Uh, Riley Herbst, he's got a little bit better odds of pointing his way in, but it, a win is, is that assurance. Exactly right. Uh, and it, once uh, one of those guys from below the cut line win, 
it knocks out one of those guys that are above the cut line. So uh, everybody's looking for that victory. Okay, Rowdy hit the century mark this last weekend. Kyle Busch picked up his 100th career win in the NASCAR Xfinity Series with his overtime victory at Nashville Super Speedway just last weekend. That made him the first driver in Xfinity Series history to reach wins in the double digits and the third driver in the NASCAR National Series history to earn 100 or more wins in one series. So NASCAR Hall of Fame drivers Kyle Petty, or I'm sorry, Richard Petty has 200, uh, David Pearson 105, and have also accomplished the achievement. Uh, Those drivers also accomplished the achievement of triple-digit wins. To celebrate Bush's 100 wins in the Xfinity Series, Comcast donated 100 laptops and a year of free Internet Essentials to the Boys and Girls Clubs of Middle Tennessee, which is also a Comcast lift zone. So since September 2020, Comcast has been rolling out life zones as part of their ongoing effort to provide Wi-Fi to more than 1,000 community centers across America by the end of 2020. So kudos to Comcast for what they're doing in that regard. I had not heard about that. That is awesome. You're right. Now, the winter streak. Pocono Raceway is riding a streak of five different Xfinity Series winners. As they head to Pocono Raceway, known as the Tricky Triangle, just the sixth time in series history. The previous five Xfinity Series races at Pocono have produced five different winners, a streak that most certainly will extend as none of the former winners are entered in this Sunday's event. Now, last season's Pocono race was run by Stuart Haas Racing's Chase Briscoe. It saw 12 lead changes among six different leaders. There are nine cautions for 31 laps, and 21 cars finished on the lead lap. Uh, Briscoe led 24 laps en route to the win. Among those entered this weekend, Justin Algar, Jeremy Clements, Ryan Sieg, and Brandon Jones are the only full-time Xfinity drivers that have made every start at the track, and this weekend will make their sixth start. Overall, Ford is the winningest manufacturer at Pocono with three Xfinity Series victories, while Chevrolet and Toyota each only have one. Okay, up next for the Xfinity Series is Sunday Showdown at Pocono Raceway. Uh, so the Xfinity Series actually kicks off the Sunday doubleheader uh, with the NASCAR Cup Series on June 27th. Uh, so that, that's uh, really fun that they're doing four races between the Cups and the Xfinity and the Truck Series this weekend. That means that the Cup Series is racing both Saturday and Sunday. So I think that's awesome. Last weekend, the Xfinity Series took on Nashville Super Speedway for the first time since 2011, and Kyle Busch was victorious for the second week in a row in the number 54 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota. The win also gave Busch, as we mentioned earlier, his 100th career Xfinity Series victory, making him just the third driver in NASCAR history to win 100 or more races in a single series. 
Stefan Algar finished runner-up to Bush, and Harrison Burton finished third. Josh Berry was fourth, and A.J. Allmendinger round out the top five. Then it was Brandon Jones in sixth, Jeff Burton seventh, Noah Gregson eighth, Austin Hill ninth, and Raleigh Earps rounding out the top ten. The race saw eight cautions for 46 laps with 12 lead changes and a margin of victory of 1.110 seconds. Now, this weekend, the series prepares for Pocono Raceway, and by virtue of the metric qualifying, Harrison Burton leads the field to the green flag, while Justin Allgaier joins him on the front row. So uh, there you have it for the Xfinity Series at Pocono. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the Cup Series. We never seem to have enough time to get it all in, so maybe we'll do it here tonight. All Two right. races, as we mentioned earlier, for the Cup Series. Uh, the first race is on Saturday, uh, June the 26th, the Pocono Organics CBD 325. Uh, and that race will take place at 3 p.m. on NBC Sports Network's pre-race coverage starts at 2.30 p.m. along with radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They'll be racing a distance of 325 miles over 130 laps. Uh, the first stage ends on lap 25. The second stage on lap 77, which makes that a 27-lap uh, event. And then the last stage ends on the last lap, lap 130, uh, which makes that just under, let's see, three laps under uh, 50 laps. So that's 47 laps. The second race for the Cup Series is the Explore the Pocono Mountains 350, uh, and that will take place on Sunday, June the 27th at 2.30, I'm sorry, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And pre-race coverage starts at 2.30 on NBC Sports Network. Uh, Radio coverage, again, will be on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. And again, they're racing this time 350 miles over 140 laps. The first stage ends on lap 30. The second stage ends on lap 85 for 55 laps. And the final stage on lap 140 for 55 laps. Is that right? I think that's right. (laughs) If my math is. Correct. I say I was trying to follow along with the math there. I'm not sure. I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to do it in my head right now, and I really couldn't. I know that's how they have it written up. Oh. Okay, well, go ahead and uh, move on to the next topic then. All right. Well, I know I put this one up in the hot topic section, but Jeff Gordon named vice chairman of Hendrick Motorsports. Jeff Gordon, a four-time NASCAR champion, a television broadcaster, and a NASCAR Hall of Fame member, has now been named vice chairman of Hendrick Motorsports, which will make him the second-ranking team official to the chairman and majority owner, Rick Hendrick. As vice chairman and co-owner, Gordon will maintain a daily presence at Hendrick Motorsports, 
with a focus on the organization's competition and marketing groups. The Vallejo, uh, California native, will report to Hendrick and I work alongside President Mike Marshall Carlson and General Manager Jeff Andrews. In addition, he will join Hendrick on NASCAR's Team Owner Council and assume Hendrick Motorsports' seat uh, on the sanctioning body's diversity, equity, and inclusion committee. Gordon, 49, will formally assume the strategic executive management role on January 1st, 2022. It was back in October of 1999 uh, that Gordon became an equity owner of Hendrick Motorsports. He remains Hendrick's only partner in the 13-time NASCAR Cup Series championship winning organization, for which Gordon won 93 races and four titles as a driver from 1992 until his retirement from full-time racing in 2015. With that, Gordon joined the Fox Sports as an analyst back in, tw- er, in 2016 then, and he will continue to work as a Fox broadcaster through the end of the 2021 calendar year. Yeah, this was uh, good news, I think, uh, for, good, for Jeff Gordon. I, I think it was pretty much expected that that would happen sooner rather than later, so it wasn't surprising news. But uh, I look forward to talking more about it on our Hot Topics that starts at 10 o'clock Eastern Time tonight. Okay, let's uh, also mention here that Stewart Racing's Eric Almarola is looking for a rebound. After a dismal start to his season with five DNFs caused by incidents, Stewart Racing's Eric Almarola is looking to rebound this weekend at Pocono and build on his glimmerous success that we saw last weekend. Now, Almarola had his best race of the season at Nashville Super Speedway where he qualified on the pole and he was able to finish fourth, his first top five finish of the year. Now, Almarola is looking to keep the positive momentum going into this weekend's doubleheader at Pocono Raceway. Last season, Almarola was stellar in the doubleheader, posting the third best average finish of 4.0 in the two races behind Kevin Harvick at 1.5 and Denny Hamlin at 1.5. In total, Almarola has made 17 starts at the Turkey Triangle, posting two top fives and four top tens. So uh, let's hope that that happens for him this weekend and he's able to get that rebound. Well, I certainly hope so, and we've seen that organization kind of making a turn as well, so we'll see how that plays out on the track. Uh, Well, first, though, we're going to look at a six-pack, and that's Hendrick Motorsports going for the sixth consecutive win of the season. Pocono Raceway has set the stage for this weekend's NASCAR Cup Series doubleheader, and the red-hot Hendrick Motorsports rolls into town looking to tie their NASCAR Cup Series modern era uh, consecutive wins record of six consecutive victories by the organization. And it was set back in 2007. Now, the modern era is from the 1972 season through the present. Now, Hendrick Motorsports drivers have now won the last five series events on the 2021 schedule. Go back to Dover, where Alex Bowman won, Chase Elliott at Coda, and then Kyle Larson stepped in at Charlotte, Sonoma, and Nashville, making the 2021 season the fourth time in the organization's history 
to win five or more consecutive races in the series. They did it twice in 2007 and once in 2014. Now, in that modern era, six organizations have won four or more consecutive victories in the NASCAR Cup Series, led by Hendrick Motorsports with seven different streaks of four or more. In total, the modern era, streaks of four or more wins by a single organization has occurred 16 times. And Hendrick Motorsports is the only organization in that modern era to win five or more cup races consecutively. You mentioned Hendrick Motors, Motorsports. Uh, the two I didn't mention come back from 98 and 96, along with the ones in the 2000s. Joe Gibbs has done it three times, uh, 2016 and twice in 2015. Junior Johnson, an associate, uh, has done it three times, 1980, or, I'm sorry, 1976, 81, and 92. Richard Childress Racing in 1987. The Jackson Brother Motorsports uh, in 1991, and then Roush Fenway Racing also did it once in 1993. As mentioned, uh, Hendrick Motorsports set that modern era record for the most consecutive NASCAR Cup Series wins with six straight in 2007. Now they have the opportunity to not only tie but surpass their series record this weekend uh, on this weekend's doubleheader at Pocono. And taking a look back at that streak in from 2007, uh, it involved Jeff Gordon in October 7th of, 20, uh, of 2007 at Talladega. October 13th at Charlotte was Jeff October 21st. That was Martinsville, Jimmy Johnson. That's where Johnson took over the 28th at Atlanta, November 4th at Texas, and then Phoenix and November 11th were all run by, or won by Jimmy Johnson. And Hendrick Motorsports leads that series and wins at Pocono Raceway as well with 17 victories. Jeff Gordon has got six, Tim Richmond three, Jimmy Johnson three, Dale Earnhardt Jr. has a pair, and then Casey Kane, Jeff Bodine, and Terry Labonte each have one. And Hendrick Motorsports uh, has the most recent win at Pocono. I'm sorry, their most recent win at Pocono was in 2014, and that was one from NASCAR Hall of Famer Dale Earnhardt Jr. Okay. Next, we'll take a look at the playoff bowl because uh, Chris Busher's points cushion took a big hit. After being involved in an incident at Nashville Super Speedway last weekend, Rush Fenway Racing's Chris Busher, 16th in the driver's standings, watched his point cushion over the playoff cut line dwindle by 36 points to just 24 points above Wood Brother Racing Matt DiBenedetto in 17th, the first spot that's outside the postseason eligibility. So just nine races remain in the regular season, and two are this weekend exasperating, exacerbating the fact that the opportunities for drivers to race their way into the playoffs are running total. Seventeen different drivers entered this weekend have at least one NASCAR National Series win. Joe Gibbs Racing's Kyle Busch is the only driver to have won in all three series. In Cup, three wins, Xfinity, one win, and the Camping World Truck Series, two wins. Of the drivers without wins this season, trying to lock themselves into the postseason, nine have previously won at Pocono. They're led by Denny Hamlin with six cup victories, followed by Kurt Busch with three, 
Uh, Kevin Harvick has one cup win and one Xfinity win. Ryan Newman has one cup win. Chris Buescher, one cup win. Cole Custer, one Xfinity Series win. Chase Briscoe has the one Xfinity win. Uh, Austin Dillon has one truck win. And Ross Chastain has also one truck win. So he hasn't won a Pocono Raceway yet. Matt Gabino put up the fifth-best average finish, 9.5, in the two-race doubleheader last season. Quite the difference from Busher's 23.0 average finish in the doubleheader just last season. With just 21 points separating Gabinadetto in 17th and Busher in 16th along the playoff front line, solid finishes will be imperative over the next several weeks. So this is uh, a contest to watch, especially with this, this doubleheader this weekend, Jay. Yeah, that cut line, I think, is going to get real, real intense, especially if we see a winner come from outside the uh, top 16 there. No doubt. Now, we're, we're not talking about golf, but we got some masters of the tricky triangle. If anyone is going to put an end to Kyle Larson's win streaks this weekend, most likely going to be one of the 10 former NASCAR Cup Series Pocono Raceway winners entered into this weekend, which is led by Joe Gibbs Racing's Denny Hamlin, who's also got a total of six career Pocono victories. He did it in 2020, 19, 2010, 2009, and a 2006 sweep in his rookie year. Then we drop back to Kyle and Kurt Busch. They each have three. Kyle's coming in 2019, 18, and 17. Kurtz was 2016, 2007, and 2005. Martin Truex has a pair, 2018 and 15. And one-time winners, Kevin Harvick was last year, 2020. Ryan Blaney in 2017. Mentioned Chris Buescher, 2016. Joey Logano, 2012. Brad Keselowski in 2011. And still out there and kicking, Ryan Newman, he had a victory there in 2003. Now, mentioned four drivers entered into this weekend have multiple wins at the Tricky Triangle. The Hamlin, six, Kyle Hart Bush at three, and Martin Truex, two. So recently, Joe Gibbs Racing has been the organization to beat at Pocono Raceway. They've won six of the last seven races at the 2.5-mile track. The one exception was Kevin Harvick's win last season, which was race number one of two, and that was for the Stuart Haas Racing Organization. A series standing bleeder, Denny Hamlin, he's still looking for his first victory of the season as well as Harvick, but is currently riding a winless streak that dates back 22 races to Talladega last October. Though Hamlin has been winless this season, he has posted nine top fives, 12 top tens. A Pocono Raceway is statistically uh, Hamlin's best track on the cup schedule. In those 30 starts, the Chesterfield, Virginia native has posted six wins, which is tied for the series most with uh, Jeff Gordon. He's got 13 top fives and 20 top tens. He also has the third best average finish among active drivers at the track with an 11.2. And we slide over to Hamlin's JGR teammate, Kyle Busch. He's tied with his brother, Kurt, for second most wins by an active driver at Pocono with three victories each. And he'll be one to watch this weekend as he's built some momentum lately, posting five top tens in the last seven races, including a win at Kansas and two third-place finishes coming at Darlington and Charlotte. 
Uh, Bush has made 32 starts at Pocono Raceway, where he's posted his three wins in 17, 18, and 19. Nine top fives and 16 top tens. Uh, last season's doubleheader, that was a mixed bag for Bush. In the first race, he posted a fifth-place finish, but then was caught in an accident in the second race and finished 38. The third teammate there we're talking about with double uh, wins, Joe Gibbs Racing's Martin Truex. His pair at Pocono Raceway, and he's looking to get his third or maybe even fourth in this weekend's doubleheader. Now, Truex's 2021 season was off to a feverish pace at the beginning of the year, uh, winning three races, coming at Phoenix, Martinsville, and Darlington in the first 12 events. But since then, he's kicked kind of a skid, posting just one top five finish in the last five races. With that said, Pocono could be the perfect track to get right the number 19 uh, team ship. Truex has made 30 starts at the Tricky Triangle, posting those two wins in 15 and 18. He's got a total of six top fives and 13 top tens. In last season's doubleheader at Pocono, Truex posted back-to-back top ten finishes. So another strong candidate for win or good runs there at Pocono. Yes, indeed. Okay, let's talk about the Fab Four. (laughs) Uh, Kyle Larson looks for his fourth straight Cup Series win. Hendrick Motorsports driver Kyle Larson is surfing a three-race consecutive win streak into this weekend's NASCAR Cup Series doubleheader at Pocono Raceway. He's looking to become just the ninth different driver in the modern era to win four or more races consecutively and the 13th different driver to accomplish the feat all time. The modern era, again, is from 1972 to the present. Now, uh, NASCAR Hall of Famer Richard Caddy holds the all-time record for the most consecutive races won in the NASCAR Cup Series at 10 straight in 1967. Currently, only NASCAR Hall of Famer's Richard Petty, um, with 10 consecutive wins in 67 and 6 in 71, Bobby Allison, five consecutive wins in 1971, are the only two drivers all time to win five or more consecutive races in the series. If Larson were to sweep the doubleheader this weekend at Pocono, he would become just the third driver in series history to win five consecutive races. Larson has made 12 series starts at Pocono Raceway, posting three top fives and six top tens, including a best finish of runner-up in 2018. He did not compete in the doubleheader at Pocono last season, but he won at the 2.5-mile track in 2016 in the inaugural Series event. Now, to look at the rank here, uh, we mentioned Richard Petty having – Uh, The 10 consecutive wins in 1967, followed by six in 1971. Bobby Allison also had those five in uh, 1971. Billy Wade, all the next drivers that I'm going to mention had four consecutive wins uh, from fourth through 14th. So Billy Wade in 1964. David Pearson did it two years in a row, or not in a row, but in 66 and again in 68. Cale Yarborough in 1976. 
Daryl Waltrip in 1981, Gail Earnhardt in 1987, Harry Gant in 1991, followed by Bill Elliott in 92, Mark Martin in 93, and then it jumped to Jeff Gordon in 1998, and another big jump, Jimmy Johnson did it in 2007. So um, pretty interesting stats there on consecutive wins. And uh, we'll see if Kyle Larson can pull it off this weekend. I Actually, like he'd make it four and five. <laughs> yeah, if he did both, it would be five. Uh, I love the history pieces we get to do here on Fan for Racing, Blog and Radio. Uh, again, mention some of the names and just uh, knowing some of the history of certain drivers, especially at track this. So that's really cool. Yes, indeed it is. All right. Now, NASCAR is preparing for, we've mentioned several times, a doubleheader weekend at Pocono Raceway. After the big success of last year's doubleheader at Pocono Raceway, the NASCAR Cup Series is back for more as the series prepares for the Pocono Organics CBD 325 on Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern and be covered on NBC, SN, and MRN, and then Sirius XM Radio. And that will be followed by Sunday's June 28th, Explore the Pocono Mountains 350. That one will be at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. Again, CBS, NBC, SN, MRN, and Sirius XM Radio. Now, opened in 1968 as a three-quarter mile track, Pocono Raceway held the first race on the 2.5-mile track in 1971. The first NASCAR Cup Series race at Pocono was August 4, 1974, and the event was won by NASCAR Hall of Famer Richard Petty in a Dodge uh, at 115.593 miles per hour. The 2020-12 season marked the first year the NASCAR Cup Series races at Pocono were scheduled for 400 miles. Prior to the 2012 season, all NASCAR Cup Series races were 500 miles uh, at Pocono Raceway. Now, in total, there's been 86 NASCAR Cup Series races at Pocono Raceway, one race from 1974 through 1981, and then two per year since. Uh, last year marked the first season that NASCAR Cup Series held the doubleheader weekend at Pocono Raceway. Pocono Raceway's 86 NASCAR Cup Series races have produced 46 different pole winners and 38 different race winners. NASCAR Hall of Famers uh, Bill Elliott and veteran Ken Schrader lead the Cup Series in poles at Pocono with five poles each. An interesting thing here, the starting lineup for the first of the two Cup races this weekend was determined by the metric qualifying. As a result, Hendrick Motorsports driver Kyle Larson will start on the pole, and teammate William Byron will join him on that front row. The entry list and starting lineups for the second race of the weekend will be distributed following post-race inspection of the first race. So race number two, the starting positions 1 through 20. The top 20 finishing vehicles from the Saturday Pocono event will have their final finishing positions inverted, regardless of laps completed, uh, to be assigned their Sunday starting position. The first place vehicle from Saturday will start 20th, second place 19th, and so on up the list. 21st through 40th, now those vehicles uh, finishing the 21st through 40th on Saturday's event will be assigned starting positions 21st through 40th, 
in the same order as the finishing results from Saturday's race. Again, result regardless of laps completed. So 21st on, finisher on Saturday, we'll start 21st on Sunday, 22nd, 22nd, and so on. Now, of Pocono Raceway's 38 different NASCAR Cup Series winners, 10 are active this weekend. Uh, NASCAR Hall of Famer Jeff Gordon and Denny Hamlin lead the series in wins at Pocono with six victories each. I don't know if we've covered Gordon's wins, so I'll throw them out there. Uh, 96, 97, 98, 2007, 2011, and then in 2012. I know we talked about Hamlin's. Uh, In last season's Pocono doubleheader, Stuart Haas Racing's Kevin Harvick grabbed the win in race number one, and Joe Gibbs Racing's Denny Hamlin won race number two. And just for fans keeping track, the second-place finisher in each of those was the opposite driver. In race one, it was Harvick and Hamlin. Race two, it was Hamlin and Harvick. Neither one have wins yet this season, though. Okay. I was just going through the entry list. The way that read, it sounded like uh, Jeff Gordon was racing this weekend. So I was looking for his name on the entry list, but I don't see it there. No, yeah, it it is a little confusing there. It was just talking about uh, it did say active drivers, but then qualified it with those two that have the most wins. Uh, I know I thought that when I read it too. Oh, okay. So a little bit confusing there. Jeff Gordon is not on the entry list for this weekend, uh, but uh, there you have it. That's all we have for the. Uh, uh, preview show for this week, uh, but uh, we were able to get it all in, Jay. That doesn't always happen. <laughs> yeah, and I do. Like I said, I do enjoy it. We get some history stuff in there. I know that can be kind of tedious and time-consuming, but especially if you are a true NASCAR fan, I mean, some of that is just such great information. Hearing some of the names, I know as I've done it in the three years with you, we've talked about tracks I hadn't even heard of uh, let alone seen or experienced. So I always find it refreshing. Yeah, it is pretty refreshing uh, to to kind of hear that information and, and to know that uh, going into the races uh, that are coming up over the weekend. Um, it's, it is going to be kind of fun to watch this race and see if Kyle Larson is able to pull off two more victories or if that streak is going to come to a screeching halt with with uh, a doubleheader this week. Um, the lineup, if I go through the top ten here, uh, it's Kyle Larson and William Byron in row one, uh, Kevin Harvick and Joey Logano in row two, Cal Bush and Ross Chastain in row three, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and Kurt Busch in row four, followed by Christopher Bell and Denny Hamlin uh, filling out that row five. So that's your top ten starters. Uh, for this weekend. That's definitely an interesting top 10. We've seen some of those drivers talk about having some good runs as of late or needing some, getting their season and organization turned back around. So uh, I think it's going to be a very interesting weekend all the way around. And the one thing we talk about, and I know we went through this with Jimmy Johnson, Kyle Larson is making history right now. You know, I mean, he's got a shot at again winning five in a row. Uh, we don't always appreciate that when we're witnessing it. You know, we're like, oh, the same guy's winning every week. But, I mean, that's how history is made. Exactly. Exactly right. And you're right. We don't always appreciate it when it's happening. Uh, 
And and I was one who had a little bit of Jimmy Johnson fatigue after a while uh, back when he was having such tremendous success. But at the same time, I realized that we were watching history in the making. And and those kind of things uh, need to be kind of relished uh, when they happen because uh, they don't happen often. Uh, so when you get a chance to see somebody making that kind of history, uh, you do want to kind of savor it. Well, and I and I think back to uh, and and my my son's 22 years old, so I'm not telling him I want grandkids now. But thinking down the line of when you have grandkids and they're looking at something like that, and you can say, "Hey, I can tell you about that because I was there. I saw it." You know, I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's where that comes into play. I think is when that next generation is looking it up in the book or something, and somebody that is there to tell them that story about it because they were there and witnessed it. Mm-hmm, exactly right. And that, like you said, that inspires the next generation to get involved with NASCAR and, and to follow along. So, uh, uh, again, it's going to be fun to see what happens uh, either way. I think we're going to see some good racing at Pocono. Uh, and uh, I like that they've shortened these races but given us two in the same weekend. And uh, I think uh, – uh, the it's always fun to see, uh, you know, who wins on Saturday. Is it going to be the same guy or is it going to be a different guy that prevails on Sunday? So uh, I think that was a great idea to uh, shorten the races and to give us two on the same weekend. And uh, I hope they continue to do that for many years to come. We are now at the top of the hour, which means that it is time for NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And uh, we have a couple of our fan for racing crew uh, joining in with us here tonight. And we'll start with Andy Olasky. Andy, welcome to the show. It's good to have you back. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, glad to be here. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing very well. Thank you. Uh, and also joining us is Tommy Kraft. We're glad to have you back again, Tommy. Hey, thanks for having me. Fun, and we've got, uh, I'm sure, quite a few topics here for tonight. So, uh, Andy, let's start with you for tonight's hot topics. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a big one. Um, Jeff Gordon's going to leave Fox Sports to become uh, basically number two behind Rick Hendrick um, and as far as uh, ownership and management is concerned and, you know, seeming seemingly the heir apparent to that team in the future. So certainly a, a pretty big move there. Curious what everyone that. Okay. Tommy, you get to be first up. Well, I'm sad to see him go because he was my favorite driver and then he went to the booth. So now I'm going to be completely without Gordon. I'm not going to be hearing him anymore. I don't going to be seeing him race anymore. But uh, I'm glad that he's going to be promoted in Hendrick Motorsports. And it sounds like they're going to be grooming him for the future. So it sounds like Rick Hendrick's going to be stepping out in a few years. Um, but... I'm excited for Gordon, and they seem to be doing good with Chad Canals. He just got promoted, and uh, I'm happy for him. But at the same time, I really want to see, um, like, Alan Bestwick. Because, I mean, like, Clint Boyer was doing good with uh, Gordon, in my opinion, and now that's that's not going to happen anymore. So I was curious to see who's, who's going to come in. 
I mean, now that Alan Bestwick is back doing SRX, I, I really would like to see him back. But then what about what driver could they get in the booth? So um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Okay, Jay, your thoughts. Well, I know we talked about this uh, the other night as it was uh, the story broke that uh, that it was a possibility, and we knew it was coming. It was a matter of what time uh, time frame it came. Now, one thing I, Tommy said there, I don't know if I'd read too much into it of Rick Hendrick going away, as I don't see that happening truthfully anytime soon. Uh, but I do think that it comes down to uh, getting him in the position so that when that time comes, it's not a scramble and you're trying to jam-pack him uh, in a hurry to get him in and ready to take over. So I think that's what it comes down to right now is, uh, you know, you got give him a good five, ten years to be in that second position and really become entrenched in that leadership role. So when he does actually take over, it's a seamless transition. Um, that's my first thing. The second thing would be is it is a hit to Fox Sports. Uh, I was kind of hoping that, and I don't know what his his executive role or what it entails. I know he's already been a part of the leadership and organization. This is apparently a step up even more. Uh, I was kind of hoping that he would stay with Fox. You got the first half of the year uh, with Fox. He could still be at the shop and do his thing and then call the races on the weekend. Um and that was, you know, again, selfish as a fan part, as a Jeff Gordon uh, fan, essentially as well. But that something could be worked out. And then in the second half of the season when Fox isn't broadcasting, uh, that would put him back in the shop on a daily or, you know, roll, whatever he needs to do there, especially when it comes towards the playoffs. But that's a decision he had to make. Uh, I know he, he debated about it, I think, three years ago when he re-signed for a three-year deal, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that it was a consideration already then. So we knew this was coming. Uh, like I said, it's a hit towards Fox, but I think it's huge for Jeff Gordon as well as the Hendrick Motorsports organization. Absolutely. Um, I agree with you guys. I think it is going to be a hit for Fox Sports. Um, but it's a, it's really great news for Jeff Gordon. He's been a team owner, uh, a co-owner with Hendrick Motorsports uh, since the 90s when he first started racing. And uh, I think everybody's known for a very long time uh, that this day would come, and here it is. Um, he's taking on more of a day-to-day operations role uh, within the organization, so I think that precludes him from really being able to do what he would need to do to be able to stay with Fox Sports. Uh, but I'm sure there's going to be another driver or somebody who's going to step into that role. And as much as we enjoyed Jeff Gordon and uh, Clint Boyer, I've got a feeling uh, that Clint Boyer is going to uh, play off of whoever is in that role, and it's going to be just as entertaining uh, as it was this year with Jeff Gordon. So I'm kind of anxious to find out who that person is going to be uh, and, uh, you know, how well they do play off each other uh, going into this uh, 2022 season. Um, So that's going to be it for Jeff Gordon basically for this year because now we're into the NBC uh, part of the season and they are covering the races from here on out. And so Jeff Gordon takes over that role at the 1st of January of next year. And um, uh, I think that we're still going to see him at the track, uh, probably not as prominently as you see him now, 
uh, uh, Tommy, but uh, I do think that we will continue to see Jeff Gordon uh, in his role at Hendrick Motorsports, and uh, at least I hope so. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Who knows? Uh, But I I do think that uh, he will be a very big part of that organization uh, moving forward. And to Jay's point, I don't think – uh, the plan, I don't think, is for Hendrick, uh, Rick Hendrick to leave the organization within the next year or two. I see it as a five- to ten-year plan uh, under the best-case scenario. Uh, of course, there's always the worst-case scenario. Something could happen, and it happens much sooner than we anticipate. But uh, I do think that this is a good uh, chance for Jeff Gordon to be groomed uh, to take over Hendrick Motorsports at some point. In the- so, Andy, I'm really curious to know your thoughts. Yeah, it's an interesting move for sure, but I, I don't know that it comes as a huge surprise. I, I think when you look at Gordon's involvement and really, um, you know, he has been a part owner of that team for a while now, technically was the listed owner of the 48 car for several years. So, you know, he's certainly been heavily invested in that team, uh, certainly throughout his driving days and even after he retired from driving. Um, you know, even during his tenure with Fox Sports, he was still heavily involved mm-hmm. in, in entering motorsports. And so, um, you know, not a not a, a total surprise that he would elevate that position even more. Um, probably the right decision to step away from broadcasting, to be honest. Uh, I think when... Um, you look at, you know, people that are broadcasters that also try to run race teams and they're heavily involved in the sport. It's hard to balance both. Um, and to do so, providing meaningful, unbiased content, which I think Gordon did a pretty good job in, but certainly um, to up your involvement with that team would probably have made it more difficult for him to continue both roles moving forward. So, um you know, it's cool that he was able to do it the last few years. Certainly, I thought brought a lot to Fox Sports, but, um, you know, certainly a logical move for Hendrick Motorsports moving forward um, to put Jeff into the position to, you know, take over that team eventually. And, and, yeah, from what we've seen, Rick Hendrick likely isn't going anywhere for any, any length of time. But, you know, certainly involving Jeff even more and getting him into the frame of things even more certainly makes him – someone to consider to be in line for it at some point. So, um, yeah, pretty big move for sure, pretty big news. But um, I think the bigger question becomes what Fox Sports will do. And it would be kind of cool to see maybe um, like a Jamie McMurray get in there um, to fill that second driver void if that's what they choose to do or or possibly bring back Larry McReynolds to a three-person booth. So, you know, certainly there's some things they can do there. Um, But, yeah, cool to see Jeff. Um, be on TV the last few years, but even more so cool to see him get this role. And uh, certainly I think that means um, pretty good help for Hendrick Motorsports for years to come. Okay, Tommy, your follow-up? I was just going to add on what Andy was saying there about uh, bringing Larry McReynolds back into the booth. Um, That would be awesome. I miss him being up there with Daryl Waltrip and um, Mike Joy. Uh, it'd be, it would also be awesome to see if they could snag their Walter Pye retirement just so I could hear uh, boogity, boogity, boogity one more time. But, um, gosh, I uh, missed that. Um, does Del Jarrett, I think he might be on uh, NBC 
Dempsey or something. But, I mean, Kyle Petty, they, those guys still do it and everything. I mean, maybe they could snag one of them. Um, I just, I mean, Alan Bestwick is back on SRX. There's just plenty of options out there. Um, or, who knows, somebody might retire and then they could step in maybe uh, Kurt Bush or something like that. But, I mean, he's been linked to track house and 23XI, so who knows. And and even staying at CGR, I think, too. So it'll be interesting, but I'm ready to see who they uh, get. But I'm down for Larry McReynolds returning for sure. Okay, Jay, your follow-up? Yeah, you guys saw an interesting one there with Larry McReynolds. Uh I really do enjoy, especially, I kind of like the role he's in now with, with bringing the, the tech side of it and, and the jump-in uh, jump-ins that he does. Uh, but I do think he would make a great overall broadcaster. But I get the feeling you're right that it's probably going to be another driver of some level. Uh, just from what we've seen in the past, we see it when they bring them into the Xfinity Series or Truck Series races. I know some of them do it for their foundations that they get the, that time based on that, but... I do think that a driver certainly does another driver uh, brings something to it. And when you have two drivers of different styles, like you had with Clint and Jeff, uh, you know, we've heard some things about maybe they really were, uh, weren't gelling as much as we see on TV or, or get, uh, <laughs> but I think they did a great job with it professionally anyway. And it really did mm-hmm. come across on screen. And if you have uh, a, I don't want to label anybody, but a smart calculating driver versus a wild card driver. You guys can fill in the blank of which one I'm calling the wild card driver. You have the two different perspectives to it. So I thought that balance was real good between the two of them. So uh, it will be interesting to see what direction they go. Uh, I'm sure they'll find it, find the right fit uh, or keep working until they do. Uh, but it's going to be tough to fill. I, re- I really do think that that's a big hit for Fox. But I, I agree with what Andy said. If if it, the balance was needed of it, you can't do both 100%. We know Jeff is one that, that is going to give it 110%. So make that right decision if that's what it takes. Absolutely. I think uh, Jeff Gordon is, is definitely making the right decision. Uh, and the move that he's making here, it is going to be a big hole for Fox. But I think they're going to be able to fill it. And, and I think that's going to going to be fun to find out who that person is going to be um and uh we'll just kind of have to wait and see the rest of that story we talk about it all the time the dominoes that drop once one thing is announced uh, the other dominoes tend to fall into place in some cases uh and this might be one of those cases we might not know until the end of the season uh before they're able to make that announcement of who is going to step into those shoes uh, but uh, you're right. They were very professional, even if they uh, might have had some conflict behind the scenes. It didn't come across on the on the screen, and that's the important thing. It looked like they were having fun. Um, they were enjoying it, and it, it, it allowed the fans to really watch and enjoy the interaction as well. So I hope they're able to find somebody that allows that to continue. So, Andy, you get the last word here. Yeah, I don't really have any follow-up per se, you know, just kind of curious to see what the future will hold for Fox. But, I mean, I'm sure they'll fill that void. But I'm certainly happy for for, for Jeff being able to get into this position. Um, 
I think it's probably the first domino to fall for a lot of these big teams positioning themselves for the long-term future. So uh, certainly a big move for Hendrick Motorsports. And, you know, it's pretty, you know, good to know that, that Gordon will be involved in the sport for a long time. Absolutely. Okay, Tommy, you get to bring up the next topic. Let's go with NASCAR winning the um, Sports League of the Year award for uh, Sports Business uh, Journal. Okay, Jay, you want to comment on that? Well, I think we had pretty much said it throughout the year. It's based on, on the previous year. And NASCAR's lead that they took in the uh, COVID-19 protocol, returning to the sport, uh, especially with keeping fans at bay until they felt it was safe. And when they did, they implemented some very strict uh, protocol with it and adhered to it. We we heard um, sponsors and, and owners that got in a little bit of a jam because they weren't following it. NASCAR immediately addressed it. The drivers that have had to step out because of NASCAR protocol, as well as crew members, so uh, I think that uh, I think that I was, remember reading they've been nominated a couple of times. This is the first time they won it. Uh, I think it really did have the heavy on the the impact that they had with how to come back following the COVID uh, issue, and, and are still coming back in the right way. So I think that was huge for them, and I do think that they really set the standard as we talked about all the way through it. Yes. Indeed. Andy, your point, your thoughts. Yeah, it's a pretty good one to get, considering that it beat out all other uh, major professional sports. Um, and I think, like Jay said, you know, it really has a lot to do with you know, the sport being able to get back going again before anyone else and, um, you know, and able to work through the challenges of, of the pandemic throughout the course of the year and, and to get the entire season in a lot of sports, I don't think we're able to do that or, or certainly a lot more difficulty doing so. So for, uh, for NASCAR to be able to do what it did last year to get all of its races in and, um, you know, do it um, sometimes unconventionally when it came to the, you know, the races that they went to having to race multiple times in a week. Um, you know, there was a lot of work that went into that. So certainly a, a pretty cool award for them to get, you know, to beat everyone else out. Yeah, it really was. And and the, the fact that they really uh, jumped to the lead as far as how sports teams can deal with the COVID pandemic uh, and introducing iRacing, uh, that was huge uh, because a lot of sports were were really grappling with how do we deal with this, how do we keep things going uh, during this uh, pandemic. And NASCAR really jumped into the lead with that, with iRacing, and, and that really was huge. And then they brought in Michael Jordan and Pitbull as new team owners. Uh, I mean, it's more than just the one thing. Um, the race schedule that they introduced this year uh, is probably one of the more dynamic uh, race schedules that we've seen in a long time with NASCAR um, and uh, just multiple things that they did in a very challenging year. I think NASCAR really, really deserved to get this recognition and uh, I applaud whoever the sanctioning body is for that, whoever voted to make that happen. I applaud them for recognizing uh, the leadership role that 
that NASCAR had in all of these categories uh, with everything that they've done. And, you know, part of that um, recognition, including Steve Phelps being recognized as a finalist for Sports Executive of the Year for his leadership in guiding NASCAR through that 2020 season, uh, as well as the eNASCAR iRacing was among the finalists for Sports Breakthrough of the Year following a successful debut of the eNASCAR iRacing Pro Invitational Series. And that's still going strong this year. Uh, in fact, it, it's made it really hard for me to get guests on the radio show because uh, these drivers are involved in practicing or participating in the iRacing uh, Pro Invitational Series. So uh, I know it's uh, very strong, and and uh, again, I just give NASCAR huge kudos for taking a leadership role in all of these areas uh, because uh, and and the and for the. People that are the business journal, business journal for recognizing them and taking that leadership role. So, Tommy, your your thoughts? I'm just glad to see that NASCAR is getting some recognition out there. Um, it was awesome last year when they were coming back. I was so excited when they did those back to back, like Darlington races, um, and those that couple days or however they did it in the mm-hmm. midweek races. It was awesome, and then I just did want to add on it too. Even when it happened, they immediately jumped to the eye racing. So they did a really good job of handling it last year. I think it's well deserved. I'm like I said, I'm just glad they're finally getting some recognition out there. Um, and it also, I think, it introduced new fans to the sport because it was like it was one of the only ones going at one point. And, like, Bernard Pollard and Alvin, Alvin Kamara and guys like that got into it, and it, it, it's just awesome mm-hmm. because I feel like it and I feel like it helped ratings and increased viewership, and that only led into it doing it this year. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just exciting. I mean, they even added new tracks, I feel like, because of it. Exactly. Okay, your follow-up? Well, I think you hit on one key thing. It wasn't just about the COVID. It's what, they, what they've done, what they're carrying forward. Uh, and I'm sure it pertains to overall the green initiatives that they're looking at. I know we talked about car, uh, different things they're doing from that aspect with the industry, the automotive industry as well, uh, and everything combined into one. And, and you mentioned uh, the owners that are becoming involved, some high-profile owners which obviously has to be bringing attention, and that's what uh, is elevating it as well. Uh, you know, and again, not every sport has that capability. When you talk about the NFL or uh, NBA, Major League Baseball, um, to be able to get involved and participate like that. So uh, again, I think it was a great thing, and in my opinion, has been well deserved for several years, uh, whether they've gotten it in the past or not. Okay, Andy, your follow up. Uh, no, no, this one. I think I'm all set. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I, You know, when you think about how quickly they adjusted, uh, you know, the schedule, they, they had their schedule in place, they had to make adjustments to it, how quickly they adjusted, and how difficult that is to do on the fly. It's like 
changing a tire while going 100 miles an hour. And and they they did that and they did it successfully, uh, you know when when things were changing so quickly, uh, they were able to make and adapt that schedule uh, to to keep fans engaged in the sport. And and Tommy, you bring up a great point. I think it did bring new viewers to NASCAR, new fans into the sport, uh, new eyes. Uh, you know, wanting to be a part of the sport, uh, and and again, I'm just so happy that they're being applauded uh, for not just one thing, but the multiple things that they did uh, during a very challenging year. So, Tommy, again, you get the final word here. I just thought of it. Michael Jordan got involved. Pitbull. I mean, mm-hmm. just crazy and. Um, yeah, I mean, nothing really to add more to it. That is, it's just awesome to see NASCAR win this, and um, I'm excited for the years to come. New car coming, uh, new fans, new tracks, bringing back old tracks maybe. Just excited for the future. Okay. Uh, me too. <laughs> Jay, you're up next. Uh, maybe let me go ahead and make the announcement before we get in to the next hot topic. Um, All right. I'm, I'm going to, for, for new listeners, we make an announcement about this time every week uh, on our radio show just so that nobody is caught off guard. And we go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. But we do continue recording uh, the rest of the show uh, as part of our bonus overtime material. So you're going to hear us go off the air, and, and we're still going to be talking uh, about a hot topic. Uh, but you'll be able to hear the rest of that conversation on our podcast uh, because uh, we do continue that recording. Uh, what I do is I go out on Twitter. When we're done, I let everybody know that the podcast is available, and all you have to do is go back to the player, either at FanFracing.com or Blog Talk Radio, fast forward to the two-hour mark, and you can hear the rest of our conversation. Uh, so, you know, don't uh, worry about it if we go off the air and you don't hear what we're saying right away. You can hear the rest of the conversation on our podcast. So with that, Jay, let's go ahead and introduce the next top topic. Well, and this one might have a tie into our previous topic of uh, things that earned NASCAR that award, and that's the 20 for 2021 Drive for Diversity program, which was, in this case, addressed the internships, not just drivers, but internships for other positions within the NASCAR industry. Okay, yes, that uh, news just came out today, in fact, so... Uh, Andy, you get the first word on this. Yeah, obviously it's a big deal and certainly, you know, a positive direction, I think, for the sport to go in. Um, You know, it's nice that, um, you know, we're seeing these initiatives and these programs being introduced and and certainly um, I think it's going to provide a lot of opportunities uh, for various folks, you know, to get involved in the sport for a long time. So, um, certainly have to be proud of, of what NASCAR has done uh, to promote diversity. And, you know, you can, you can say that NASCAR has long been looked at as a, as a redneck sport, if you will. But I think that uh, 
they've gotten a long ways from that, and they've really done a lot to, um, you know, promote promote diversity and, and to promote, you know, the ability for, for anyone to get involved that wants to do it. So, um, you know, you've got to applaud NASCAR for that. And uh, certainly, um, you know, these are these are good initiatives, I think, to, to get people involved. So it's certainly a good thing. Okay. It definitely is. Uh, Tommy, your thoughts? I just uh, saw when I looked at it on Twitter, uh, clicking the link, that there was like seven schools from North Carolina in it, which I just want to point out because of being, being from North Carolina. I thought that was awesome. I didn't see my school, ECU, but, I mean, I saw UNCG, High Point, NC State, and UNC Charlotte was on there twice, and I did see uh, Happy App on there too, Appalachian State. Um, and I was looking at the teams that were involved, like I saw uh, 23XI, uh, Rev Racing, and, um, yeah, I mean, I, I know the guys like uh, Bubba Wallace and uh, Daniel Suarez, and uh, I feel like Ryan Vargas, too. I feel like they all have something to do with this. I mean, this is just awesome that they do this, and I think y'all are right that it just adds to the reason why NASCAR has um, improved in it while they it helped win that award uh, for last year. Okay. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, a lot of people have been involved uh, with NASCAR's diversity programs. Uh, this program really does uh, uh, help these uh, students get long-term employment. And some, some of them are, have been employed by NASCAR. Uh, Catherine Lee has become the Director of Marketing and Activation, Marvin Ayler, Director of Partnership Marketing, uh, Jazan Hamilton, Director of Racing Operations and Event Management, Erica Wilkerson, the Manager of Youth and Multicultural Marketing, Jasmine Neely, the Manager of Industry Communications, and Victoria Garcia, uh, an Associate Producer. These are all former interns. Uh, through this uh, diversity program, uh, and and you're right, they, I've gone through the list here, and there are just so many different uh, schools that are involved, Michigan State, uh, University of South Carolina, University of Massachusetts, uh, Syracuse University. Uh, there's just so many different uh, North Carolina State to the point that uh, Tommy made, um, and and. Organizations within NASCAR, Rev Racing, NASCAR Public Affairs, International Business, 2311 Racing, um, Track Marketing, Communications. Uh, It's just amazing what they're doing with the diversity program uh, within NASCAR. And uh, some of these folks that interned in this program uh, are going to go back to school. Some of them are going to go into full-time jobs. So it's just exciting to see this happening uh, for these students. And, again, huge kudos to NASCAR for doing everything that they're doing uh, to, to support the students and the next generation of our leadership. Jay? Yeah, you started you started going through the list there uh, that I was looking at uh, of the different um, departments that, that, that they fill in. Uh, whether it be legal, editorial content, licensing, national sales, international sales, 
and what they can take from it, whether they stay within the NASCAR or not, uh, you know, the different opportunities that, that opens up in other businesses or whatever they pursue, if it be outside of NASCAR. So just that opportunity to be involved in something at that level as an intern and to be able to take away from it, moving it to wherever they want to be. Uh, again, it's not just about NASCAR. It is about the, developing these, these youth and country uh, across the board. So I think it is mm-hmm. just a huge, great program. Uh, I know Rev Racing got mentioned. Uh, I think they've kind of been the head and the lead of that at, throughout the years. You know, we get several of their uh, drivers and others on the show here as guests. Uh, we've talked about that, of the efforts that they've really made, and I know that goes back to Max Siegel, uh, even back with the DEI days. Uh, that was kind of where his heart was and what he pursued for that reason. Okay, Andy, any follow-up? Uh, no, I'll sit on this one. Okay, Tommy. I'm all set on this one as well. As am I. <laughs> Jay, anything more you wanted to say? Well, I think this is one that, that as we look at it, I know I mentioned Rev Racing kind of, in my in my eyes anyway, at the forefront of it. NASCAR has taken it on and, and taken it another step that we just see it continue to grow in the future and down the line that we don't ever see that one get shuffled to the side because it is such a great program. I just hope that they continue to build on it uh, down the line. Okay, and I'm sure that they will. Okay, Andy, we're back to you. What do you have for a hot topic? Well, I'm not sure I've actually got anything else. Um, What about you guys? What you got? And, uh, Tommy? So, um, this one is just, uh, I saw it on two Twitter accounts today. It's not real or anything. It's just hypothetically thinking, but I just want to bring it up because I thought it was interesting. But what um, I saw was this. What if Ray Evernham brings back Evernham Motorsports, and who would the drivers be for the two cars? Interesting. Okay. Uh, Jay. Tommy, you're killing me. Um, I would love to see it, especially if it were a return with Dodge, but I'm not sure I see that happening. Uh, I know I I did catch some of that. I guess I didn't follow it all the way back to track it up to the top of that, of of the direction from it. Uh, Personally, Aaron, Everham was one that was willing to take the chance and develop drivers for the future. Uh, wish Mike were here, but uh, I would put Noah Gregson as one at the top of that list uh, as far as the future. And then if you want to go with a solid, a column of veteran driver that just hasn't quite ever hit in the top level, that would be Daniel Hemrick. I think Daniel Hemrick and Noah Gregson – not saying they'd pair up real well as teammates, but uh, two drivers that I would look at from that aspect. <laughs> okay, Andy, you have any candidates? Not something I've really thought of, to be honest. Um, would it be cool to see Everham Motorsports back? Yeah, would it be cool to see Dodge make its return? Uh, definitely not sure you'd see this happen. Never say never, of course. Um, but I could see, I could see. Ray bringing in two veteran drivers, and I think you'd have to look at 
maybe like a Kurt Busch. I think everyone seems to want Kurt Busch these days, but, you know, to help get a, a team restarted, if you will, you'd probably have to look at somebody like that. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe a young and up and coming driver too. Um, you know, I can't really put a name on that right now. Maybe like a Josh Berry or somebody, I don't know, but, um, you know, it'd be cool to, Cool to see it. Not sure that we will, but uh, it would be nice to see Dodge make a return to the sport if they do at some point. Yeah, I'm kind of with you, Andy. It's not something I've really thought about a whole lot. Uh, but I, I, I'm going to go kind of the middle of the road here. I think it would be a mix of a veteran with an up-and-coming driver. If he brings Noah Gregson, I hope he's got deep pockets because he tends to wreck a lot of cars. Um, uh, so... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I think you'd have to take that into consideration. Uh, one person that I've kind of been impressed with, uh, and I think he would give her a shot, uh, and has taken, she's pretty much taken care of her cars this year. Uh, and I've not always seen that from her. So I'm impressed that she's doing it this year in the truck series. And that's Haley Deegan, whether or not she'd switch over to, uh, Dodge would be a whole different thing or if uh, Everham would switch over to a different manufacturer uh, is a whole different uh, conversation. But uh, I would say a veteran driver, uh, maybe a Kurt Busch or somebody like that, along with Haley Deegan. Uh, that would be kind of an interesting combination. But something like that is what I'm saying, uh, a veteran driver with an up-and-coming driver. So, Tommy, what are your thoughts? Uh, I think the reason why it was brought up on Twitter, though, and I mean, it, it does make sense. I know it's all hypothetical and everything, but, I mean, Ray Everham is in SRX right now. Haley Deegan is in the series, and he did um, help, uh, I believe, he he might even be married to her still, but Aaron, um, Aaron Cocker, uh, I think, Crocker. or something like, something like that. Crocker. Yeah, he... Aaron Crocker. Cro- yeah, that was it, and so, I mean... Haley Deegan was definitely an option, but another one that I was seeing, and it, it could work, but it only if Brad K goes to the six, but Ryan Newman put him back in a, a Dodge if that was to happen. Uh, I did see Noah Graxton come up in the comments, too. I saw everything from the, the numbers. Would they get the 9 and 19 back? I mean, I doubt it because Turex is the 19 and um, Chase Elliott is the 9. I don't see that changing. But somebody said, how about the 91 car? Because I feel like um, Bill Elliott may have ran that a few races, and I do remember that because I think he was in the McDonald's car. So that would definitely be a number if if this team ever formed or anything. But it is cool just to think about it. And I think you guys are right about Kurt Busch. He seems to be wanted by everybody. Um, but there's – I mean, there's going to be if, – if this team ever did form, like I'm saying again – there would be plenty of seats and there's plenty of drivers to move around, I think, for sure. Yeah, I hate to critique, but I would think that Ray Abraham, being a smart guy like he is, would learn from past mistakes. He tried with a veteran and a rookie in the uh, Bill Elliott and Casey Atwood, and unfortunately, being that they did not get up to par as quickly as what they thought, and at the top level, I mean, it it destroyed... uh, Casey Atwood's career. We we haven't heard from him again. And we've seen that before at the cup level. Uh, drivers in the last couple of years 
one year and they're out. You know, if they can't perform in one year, they're out. So that's where I think that he would he would learn, and at least until the team is at a top level, I think he would stick with some more veteran or I want to say solid because at the time Casey Atwood was a very solid Xfinity Series driver, and we did think he was going to make it at the cup level. So that's really tough to say. But I think Abraham would be a lot more cautious. Uh, I'm trying to think what show I saw an interview on it where he kind of took uh, took the hit and, and res- felt responsible for Casey Atwood's career not going anywhere because he didn't provide the best equipment. They didn't get him up to speed as quickly as they could have or should have. Yeah, I hear that a lot. Whatever happened to Casey Atwood? Okay, Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, that is a good point, certainly, um, you know, with a rookie and a veteran driver. But I think Ray probably learned a lot from what he did the first time around. But, you know, I I think that Ray is pretty happily retired and having fun doing his fun project like SRX. And, you know, I'd be thoroughly surprised to see him re-enter the NASCAR fold, but you never know. Yeah, I don't really have any follow-up. Tommy, do you have a final word on that? Did we lose Tommy? Sorry, I had it on mute. Um, I was just going to add oh, okay. say um, that the door bumper, gear, uh, door bumper clear guys were talking about what we talked about a few weeks ago or last week on the uh, – Honda being one of the team or new manufacturers. So what if Everham brought Honda in like he brought Dodge in? That would be interesting. It's an interesting thought. We'll have to kind of wait and see what time tells on the rest of that story. And uh, if it will be Everham or somebody else, we'll have to find out. Okay. Um, I'm going to bring up one here. Rick Hendricks said there's increased interest on Larson, um, but uh, uh, he's also said that he's okay with having HendrickCars.com uh, on his cars. So what are your thoughts about uh, his comments there? Um he did say, and I want to just add this in here, we want to wait for the right deal. We don't want to take a piecemeal deal because I think it's worth more to me than to do that. But it's a tremendous, there is tremendous interest in Kyle. Uh, a lot of companies are telling me they appreciate me giving him the chance, and some of them are ready to spend some money, just not enough. And I think that's what's got everybody kind of up in arms a little bit. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts about uh, the comments there? And uh, Andy, we'll start with you. I mean, it is interesting, but I think that, you know, there's a certain price to be to be paid to sponsor a top-tier, top-series car. And I think that, um, you know, Rick Hendrick is willing to put his own name on the car to fund and fund it out of his own pocket if it means that the car is funded adequately. And certainly Rick Hendrick and, and his own company, HendrickCars.com, could fund the whole season, you know, fairly enough uh, and easily enough. But I think the point is, you know, even if there's sponsorship interest, there's a big difference between interested in sponsoring a car 
and being willing to pay what it takes to fully sponsor a car. And so I think that, you know, certainly plenty of companies would be willing to, to step up and pay what it's required. But I think, I think Rick's point probably is that, you know, if, if he, you know, in order to fund that car fully, you know, he'd probably rather have his own brand on the car, you know, that he's paying for versus putting someone's brand on the car that maybe isn't willing to pay what it really takes to fund that car. So I think that's probably what he's coming from on that. Um, but that being said, certainly when you look at the hut street that Larson's on, um, you think that there would be some pretty significant interest moving forward. And, you know, I don't know that sponsorship will be a major issue for that team by any means. Okay, Tommy. I think HendrickCars.com uh, is going to stay uh, with that throwback uh, number five paint scheme to Ricky Hendrick as long as it can. Um, I don't think it'll last forever, but I think that Rick Hendrick's going to keep it on there for as long as he can, for sure. But I'm interested to see who's going to take him on full-time because, um, I mean, I, we all knew it was going to be a matter of time before he did find sponsorship because he's winning and he's consistently up front. I mean, he might he might win four in a row and, um, you know, add himself to the list of guys that have won four in a row like Harry Gant and, you know, all the other legends that have done it in NASCAR. So I'm just curious to see who it's going to be because I remember when, you know, it all broke out um, when he got suspended like who's going to ever sponsor him again, basically. But now he's proven that he's, you know, winning and that he's got, you know, Rick Hedrick supporting him and he seems to be headed down the right path and everything. So I'm just interested to see who these companies are that said they wouldn't sponsor him, but now will. Okay, Jay. Well, for, first off, I got to say, Tommy, welcome to the group because I think that was the first time you've been caught where the mute button was on. So uh, you're part of the team now. <laughs> um, yeah, th- this is one. If you recall, we we talked about it, and uh, Sharon, I'm glad you brought it up because I actually had put it up the other night. And we didn't get to it, and I I kind of forgot about it, <clears throat> and I did want to talk about it because we saw it in the truck series. Mike brought it up about champion Sheldon Creed being unsponsored with a solid white truck, even though uh, Allegiant is the team behind it. Okay, so they went with the solid white. Now, with Hendrix, they're putting Hendrix.com on there, which still requires the approval of the board from Hendrix.com, which Rick Hendrick is a part of. If you read that article that talked about it, you know, he's going to them and asking for that money, and it keeps upping it, and they keep putting it up there. So to me, it is a matter of kind of twofold. First of all, the value of the team, uh, you know, especially now that they're winning, uh, you know, and that was Sheldon Creed's answer when somebody offered to put up on their car, but it was a, a smaller amount, and he said, hey, that, that our team is worth more than that. We're going to get more than that. If it means we run a ru- white truck until then, we're not going to give in and decrease our value to meet your level. So there's that aspect. Second off, Hendrick.com is getting value out of it by being – on the car, uh, obviously, or they wouldn't be doing it. Third, I think, is part of it, uh, I don't, I'm not sure how to say this, but you know, Rick Hendricks said, hey, I stood behind him when nobody else did. You want to come on as a, as a tag-along, you know, now that he's winning and 
you know that you're confident he's he's corrected his mistakes and, and the level he's at. If you'd been with him right away from the beginning, I think you might have gotten a better deal versus trying to jump on the bandwagon at the tail end of it, from my perspective. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I know some of the criticism has been that beggars can't be choosy, uh, but they're, they're, you're right. Rick Hendrick kind of stepped up to the plate, if you will, and said, we'll take Kyle Larson, and I'm going to get behind him with the HendrickMotorsports.com or whatever it is, HendrickCars.com. Uh, and you're right. He keeps jacking up the price, and they keep, coming back with the money. So uh, these guys have been behind him win or lose. And, you know, I think before he went on the streak of uh, the last four wins, including the all-star race, um, he had three consecutive second-place finishes. So he's been running up front uh, for quite a while now. And uh, his average over those last six races uh, it has to be like a 1.5 uh, average or something to that effect, uh, average uh, finish. So these guys that are are showing interest now, uh, I think he's just saying you need to step up to the plate. He's done his part. We need a sponsor plate and do their part. Uh, he, he's really made it clear he's not looking for a piecemeal situation. He's looking for a full-time sponsor uh, because he feels that the HendrickCars.com uh, has been that full-time sponsor. And uh, uh, if somebody's going to step into that, uh, it's got to it's pay off uh, for HendrickCars.com uh, because they have been <laughs> there from the very beginning, if you will. So I see where he's coming from. Uh, I think the criticism is a little bit unfair uh, because Rick Hendrick has been a leader in the sport uh, for quite a while, and he's he's shown the capability of having long-term sponsors uh, over a period of time, and especially during an era where a lot of cars couldn't be running unless they did it piecemeal. So he's got a winning formula, uh, and I, I think he should be applauded uh, for using good business in this particular case. So, Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, no, that um, pretty pretty much sums it up, you know, what, what we've already said, certainly. Um, but, yeah, a lot of interest in that team and car, and I think that that will be the case for a while. Okay, Tommy? Just interest this just interested to see who's going to be the uh, primary sponsor in the uh, in the future. Yeah, yeah that is going to be fun to find out. Okay. Well, the one thing you said that that, that gets quoted is the beggars can't be choosy. Uh, I'm not sure uh, Hendrick is out there begging either. So uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> exactly. that, that kind of nullify, nullifies that. Um, the other the other thing he talked about is is that that it does come down to finding the right partner uh to be with a driver especially when you talk about doing media presentations and stuff uh I don't remember when it was I think it was still with Tony Stewart when we talked about this of a driver that's 
sponsor endorsing a product just because they're getting paid versus one that they truly believe in. Uh, you know, when it came to it and Tony Stewart opted to leave Joe Gibbs Racing, I think a lot of it had to do with Toyota, that he did not want to drive a Toyota. Uh, he stayed under his contract as was required, but when he had the option, he said, this is now my option and I'm not going to drive it. So I think that getting the right fit with a product or, or sponsor goes a long way as well. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't really have a whole lot to add. Uh, so I guess I'll just kind of throw it out there and see if anybody else has any other hot topics. Jay, we'll start with you. Well, I, I was going to, Sharon, you and I talked about this uh throughout the show tonight leading into it, and we've got about nine minutes. I think we can get a good round of opinions in. Pocono was on the schedule to do this two-day doubleheader prior to the COVID schedule. As it turned out, we mentioned, you know, COVID, NASCAR having to readjust the schedule, did some other things like this at other tracks, but Pocono had already slotted to do this. How we think it turned out and what it did for Pocono itself in that race weekend? Okay, Tommy. Your thoughts? Yeah, I remember last year that it was supposed to happen and then COVID messed it up. But um, I'm excited to see how it works out this year. And, and or did it did it rain last year too? I feel like there was something that prevented it also with maybe other than COVID. But hopefully this year it's sunny, rain doesn't be a factor, and we can do these double headers. That um, I I think that that's awesome that they do that when they do a truck race an Xfinity race and or Xfinity race and a cup race all on the same day. I mean, it's, I feel like that's awesome because then you've got the fans there and then they can watch both races. I just feel like it's a good strategy. Um, however, I do also like when trucks run on Friday night and then Xfinity on Saturday and then cup on Sunday. But either way, I just hope that the weather participates well and that um, they can pull off these double headers this weekend and not have to reschedule or run them on Monday or however they would have to do this. Okay, that's a good point, Gandhi. I really, you know, was was pretty excited about the idea of the double header at Pocono when they first announced this, and obviously last year things got. I do think that uh, the show that they put on last year was was pretty cool. And, you know, I think this year even more so since the fans can come back. There were no fans there last year. Um, you know, I think that from a from a fan standpoint, you know, you really can't get much better, um, you know, than all the racing that they provide. There's an ARCA race. There's a truck series race and a cup race on one of the days. And then an Xfinity race and a cup race on the other one of the days. Um, so if you're a race fan that wants to go and, and camp out and spend a weekend here, um, you know, from a money and spending standpoint, it really doesn't get a lot better than that when, when you consider the amount of racing that's to take place. Plus, you know, aside from all that, there's two, not one but two cup races to be run this weekend. So um, I do like the doubleheader idea, and I think that um, it was a, a good idea for Pocono to do it. Um, you know, at the same time, you know, it is a, to some degree bittersweet that they only have one race weekend there instead of two, but, it, but they didn't actually lose any of the races. They're just all consolidated into one weekend. So, um, 
I do like the concept. I think it's a pretty neat idea. And, you know, this may be something that you see down the road. I don't know that you'll see it all the time and certainly won't see it at all the venues. But, you know, I think that to have maybe a couple, three doubleheader weekends throughout the year um, wouldn't be a bad thing by any means. Yeah, I agree, Andy. I think conceptually the idea is brilliant, really. It addressed so many different issues that people were having. They thought the races were too long at Pocono. Uh, they didn't like the idea that it was on two different weekends. Um, and, you know, by having the double header, uh, they've shortened it, not significantly, but they've shortened those races a little bit. And, and uh, they've given – They've not taken a race away from Pocono. They still have the two cup races uh, for guys. And for the fans, you get it's a big bang for your buck <laughs> uh, for the weekend because uh, I think the best you could do before was, through, was four races, including an ARCA race. And this weekend, uh, fans from Friday to Sunday can see five different races, uh, and they'll all be good races. Uh, uh, across the board. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I know last year there weren't fans uh, in the stands, so it'll be fun to be able to see the fans back at Pocono and uh, uh, to see how this concept really does work out. But I think, you know, on, on the surface, I think it's a brilliant idea. Conceptually, I love the idea, and I think it addressed a lot of things that uh, people had concerns about. So, Jay, your thoughts? Well, Sharon, can you repeat that all in my voice? Because uh, you pretty much hit every one of my, my highlighted points there. Pocono is one of those, you mentioned it, the fans were saying that on the 2.5-mile triangle itself, the, the races were too long. They had bumped them, I, I don't remember now, we read it uh, when they bumped it back to 400 miles. Second off, Uh-oh. I think we lost Jay. Okay. Uh, we're not hearing Jay. Is is it, is it me that got bumped or is it Jay? Okay, Andy, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. It must have been Jay. Okay. Okay. I, I just wasn't sure. Sometimes I don't know if it's me that got bumped off or if it's somebody else. Because it looks like Jay is still here, but that happened the other night as well. Uh, so, Tommy, we'll come back to you for your follow-up. And I'll look on uh, our board and see if Jay has any follow-up there. <laughs> uh, nothing to really add. I know Junior was pushing the um, the doubleheaders last year and everything. And I, I, like I said, I do think they are exciting and I like it because you can get all, like, two races in one day, like Truck and Cup or Xfinity and Cup or you know, Truck and Xfinity. But at the same time, I also like it when they go to tracks and they do um, a Friday, a Saturday, and a Sunday race and, you know, even throw ARCA in there. Like the, the full week events like Daytona and Talladega and stuff like that. But um, and then I want to add, too, with like Andy said, Pocono used to have like two separate you know, race weekends, and now it's all in one. Um, but either way, uh, I still like the doubleheader idea. Okay, Andy, your follow-up. Uh, I think I'm all good. Okay. 
yeah, I think I got everything in. Uh, but Jay is just saying, I'm reading his comments here. Uh, I think it was a good move. So uh, I think he pretty much agrees with what everybody else is saying. So with that, we'll go ahead and uh, close out the night. And uh, Andy, we'll start with you for the round table. Uh, yeah, on Twitter, CB14 fan, and um, certainly good to be back on the show. I've been working a ton, so I haven't had the chance to be on, but glad to be on tonight. And, uh, you know, certainly um, looking forward to this weekend. I don't know how much I'll be able to watch this weekend due to work, but, you know, Pocono always seems to put on a good show and a lot of racing to be had, so certainly looking forward to it. Okay, Tommy. Oh, at NASCAR fans since '95, or NASCAR fans since '95 on Twitter, uh, give me a follow so I can start tweeting up the storms. And I can, as Mike says, my always uh, right opinions or however he phrases it. Um, not currently working on anything, but uh, brainstorming. Okay, all right, and I am fan for racing site on. Uh, Twitter and Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including our FanForRacing.com website. Uh, and uh, we will certainly be following the action this weekend. Uh, and uh, you can look for our review show on Monday night with, uh, I don't know if it'll be Sal or if it'll be somebody else, but uh, we will have a show uh, that is the plan at this point to have a show on Monday night to review and another show on next Thursday night to preview the upcoming weekend of racing. So big shout out to our listeners for tuning in. Uh, we appreciate everybody for taking the time to hear what we have. And uh, to our fan for racing crew, Tommy and Andy, uh, it was good having you here on the show tonight. And for all that you do, we appreciate you as well as Jay for co-hosting um, So uh, definitely look forward to uh, the weekend of racing. And uh, with that, I guess we'll call it a night, guys. All right. Have a good night. Night. Good night, everybody. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.